it's me! Yes, it's Howard H. Smith, your host of Talking Bollocks, and this is the September edition 2016. Thanks for joining me. It's lovely to have you here. If it's the first time, hello. If it's the whatever time that I've done this, then hello. And um, there you go, straight away as professional as you're used to. It is indeed another edition of Talking Bollocks. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. I am the lead singer of Rebooted UK um, thrash band Acid Rain. I am also a stand-up comedian. You can find me at Keith Platt on Twitter, keithplatt.co.uk, the website, Keith Platt um, on YouTube. Find lots of clips there. Um, You can find Talking Bollocks on YouTube. You can also find Talking Bollocks um, in iTunes, in Stitcher, in all the usual... um, formats all the usual apps so please do subscribe and make sure that you get this podcast into your device slash computer slash tiny head um or brain uh, every month so um uh, yes, you can follow Talking Bollocks on Twitter at Talking Bollocks with a Z. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Talking Bollocks. You can also find Acid Rain on Facebook and uh, Twitter and everything, as I just mentioned. And there you go. That is all of the bits and pieces that you need to know. That is the housekeeping, as I like to call it, up the front there. Glad to have that out that other way. Glad to have that out of the way. Given that my only talent is um, is talking, um, this is a pretty shitty start. So um, there we go, uh, no change there. Uh, and what a what has been happening in the month of metal since we last spoke? Well, all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, uh, there's been uh, Lemmy tribute albums coming out with uh, packed full of artists I've never fucking heard of. That's re- that's something that really pisses me off. And, uh, tribute albums always seem to be by people who I've never fucking heard of so I couldn't really give a shit about your interpretation of Motorhead songs I couldn't give a shit about I I really didn't give a shit about Motorhead's interpretation of Motorhead songs but there you go Um, that's not being disrespectful to Lemmy that is saying I don't like Motorhead so there you go no big deal and who gives a shit so anyway yeah why is it why is it that whenever there is a fucking tribute album it just seems to be an excuse for a band a load of bands who no one's ever heard of to get a load of much needed publicity by playing and usually fucking up other people's songs absolute fucking mystery that's it there's 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 nothing more to come on that 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 is my 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 one and only contribution to that subject um but it's been a strange old month it has been a strange old month i have found myself agreeing wholeheartedly with gene simmons and paul stanley of kiss Yes, I know. Regular listeners will be regular listeners will be shocked, nay, dismayed to hear this. New listeners will wonder what the fuck's coming. Well, I, I, I mean, these two are a couple of muppets who I, I, I regularly disagree on and take the piss out on, uh, uh, out of on a regular basis. But regularly take the piss out of on a regular basis. Could I use the word regularly or regular a bit more? No, I couldn't. Anyway. Um, they both came out and said that how pathetic they thought it was that um, celebrities come out and declare their support for one or other um, political um, uh, representative. Like, you know, they endorse either Trump, which would be insane, or they endorse Hillary, which is just unfortunately, unfortunately the least worst option. Um, uh, and I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You know, same over here in the UK when... 
when you know celebrities come out and you know, nail their colours to the mast and all that, and it's like, right, okay, so you've done a few sitcoms and you're in yet another fucking shitty Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening detective series with some stupid name like Sally Blakely and the fucking scones. And you know, and it's it's based in some little town, and somebody gets killed with a lawnmower, and you manage to figure it out eventually. And it's basically like shit, Agatha Christie, and that somehow entitles you to come out as some sort of political spokesperson. What a load of shit! Because you're good at acting or music or anything, doesn't mean that your opinion is any better or any worse, admittedly, than anyone else's. So you've got a public, you've got a, you've got a, a public forum to, whereby people will listen to you. I think it's quite sad, actually, that people would go. Well, do you know what? I'm not quite sure who to vote for in the uh, in the election. Should it be Hillary? Should it be Trump? Hmm. I wonder what the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers has to say about that. I, I don't know. No, so is it the San Fr- I, I don't even know. So, you know, if you're in the States there, do apologise. Um, but, you know, oh, I don't know who to vote for. Should I vote for Jeremy Corbyn? Should I vote for Theresa May? Hmm, I wonder what Stephen Fry thinks. I mean, really? It makes no fucking sense at all. And I'm well aware that I'm a veering off on politics here, um, but it did start out with uh, with Gene and Paul, and um, and it turns out there is a subject, certainly not music, that I can actually agree with them on. And and, and I am going to have to. This moves segues, as I believe it's called, nicely into um, a story that's doing the rounds in the states at the moment, whereby there is a uh, an American footballer called uh, Kaepernick or Kaepernick, not quite sure how it's pronounced. Um, and um, he plays, as usual, the usual kind of pile of shit when it comes to um, uh, when it when it comes to um, uh, my research. But he's play he plays for an American football team. He says desperately trying to find it here. Where is it? So, oh, actually, San Francisco 49ers. Oh, he's the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. That must be where I got it from, folks. <laughs> that that knowledge had wormed its way in there. Um, so basically, he um, he's black and he's refusing to stand for the national anthem um, whenever it's played. Um, and and Bakey, he's taking a stance, which is weird because you know you usually think of a stance as being stood up, but his stance is being sat down um, when the national anthem is being played to bring attention to the plight of the black community who seem to be getting shot and killed on a regular basis by um, American uh, police. So um, now. There's so much about this story that, as somebody from the UK, is weird um, that I, I I I just I have to I have to talk about it. So if I if I'm going to come off as a know-it-all know-it-all arrogant stroke ignorant dickhead, if you're listening in the states, then um, then sorry, but this is how you look to the rest of the world. Okay, for a start, why the fuck in the name of holy fuck? Do you need to play the national anthem before every game? Have you all forgotten what country you live in? Right? We have a fo- we have we have four professional football leagues in this country. Every Saturday and Sunday there are hundreds of games taking place. And do you know how many times the national anthem's played? None. Not fucking once. You know why? We know where we live. Yeah? And we don't have to drum 
patriotism or patriotism, depending on what you want to call it, you do, we don't have to drum that into people, right? It should be either something you feel or something you don't feel. It shouldn't be something that you're forced to do in schools. Pledge of Allegiance, that's fucking weird. It's Hitler-esque. Don't give a shit what you think, okay? And... And then making people... The national anthem for everything in that fucking country. Honestly. I mean, Starbucks getting a coffee. National anthem for the coffee. I mean, it, it is fucking mental. This is how you look to the outside world. Mental. Fucking me- just mad. Sorry, I do apologise. There is connotations that um, I should have learned by now. Um, no need to call things mental. Or people mental. Alluding to mental illness. It's just crazy. Does that help? Is that better? I don't know. But crazy has a sort of cartoonish quality about it. So we'll have to go with that. All right. Try not to offend anyone here. But if you're still offended, do me a flavour. Delete the podcast and fuck off. But anyway, right. How mad? How fucking mad is it to just be playing the national anthem all the fucking time? Having flags up in your garden. Right. Saying the Pledge of Allegiance every morning at fucking school. This is nuts. To us, this looks crazy it really does it's totally it's just like stake sanctioned patriotism honestly it's just one step removed from the nazis i'm not it's just it makes no sense if you have to drum into people every fucking day or at every sports occasion how good your country is it's probably not that good okay if you're having to be reminded every fucking minute so anyway right This guy has taken the step of not standing for the national anthem, okay? He's taken that step as as a way of bringing attention to the the black community. And by the way, I know this is fucking, I'm way out there, but don't worry, I'm going to bring it back. Hang in there. So anyway, to bring the music element of this back... I, firstly, I have to applaud that gentleman and say, well done. I mean, we could do with a lot more millionaire uh, sports people making stances about things in public actually coming out and saying stuff that's worth listening to instead of yeah i had a good game and that's it okay now i know i just have i know i have just said about celebrities funnily enough the quarterback of san francisco 49ers i'm not really interested in in who he wants to vote for fine okay but this isn't a political issue this is a fucking human rights issue okay and um and there's the black lives matter campaign is, is is also happening in the uk as well and quite rightly given the facts and the figures but anyway without wanting to veer too much off the circ- the uh, the topic or going straight into politics this particular gentleman's opinion that i'd like to focus on folks is stains aaron lewis okay who is absolutely infuriated by uh, colin kaepernick uh, the colin kaepernick controversy okay now th- this is what he's got to say it absolutely infuriates me and it makes me even more angry that the nfl which is also intertwined into this nation is allowing it to take place they're not they are not benching him they're not financially pe- uh, um, uh, penalizing him every time he doesn't stand i mean do i have to point out how how fucking stupid this sounds that is a direct slap that is a direct slap against the country that makes the nfl as great as it is this is after all only sport aaron cool your jets the rest of the world for the most part doesn't even care about football oh you're so fucking right their football is soccer. Yeah, our football involves using your feet. Funny that. And for the NFL to just sit back and allow him to do that without any sort of penalty or repercussion, I don't understand that. Yes, you should be penalised for not standing for the national anthem. I mean, I, really? He goes on to say. He's invoking his right to do what he... Believe. 
I mean, this is just fucking brilliant. I sorry, I just got to go back to that last line. And for the NFL to just sit back and allow him to do that without any sort of penalty or repercussion, I don't understand that. Yes, this is a man who said he's going to vote for Trump. Let's add, let's add that, shall we, Aaron, to the list of things you don't understand, like like the world not being flat. Um, the moon not just being an evening and a nighttime version of the sun and women being allowed to vote you fucking prick anyway he goes on he's invoking his right this is brilliant because he ties himself in knots and actually ends up arguing against himself but he's not intelligent enough to realize that he's invoking his right to do what he believes correct but this is where freedom and liberty get a little bit skewed no it isn't just in your tiny pea brain your freedom and your liberty to do that on the reverse side is my freedom and liberty liberty to not have to deal with it and to not have it affect my life okay now he see aaron what you've done there is actually say that what he's doing is affect directly affecting your life which it isn't by the way it's just you think it is because that's the way you feel about this issue so it's not actual a reality it's about your emotions and your feelings which aren't enshrined in law you are you, you have the right to be offended that's what freedom of speech does it gives people the right to say things that other people may take offense at and there they have the right to take offense at those things and and also to say what he's saying, to speak out, to speak back with an opposite point of view, a dickhead, thick, ill-thought-out point of view. But when he starts saying the NFL should penalise the guy, that is where it all goes fucking nuts up. Anyway, <laughs> right, he said, and that's a give and take of freedom. No, it isn't. Yeah, you're free to do whatever you want to do, but I'm also free, free from the consequences of your actions. There are no consequences of his actions, right? Of a guy in San Francisco sitting on a bench while the national anthem plays, yeah, and a dickhead singer in a band in Seattle, right, sat in his flat or whatever he's fucking doing while that's going on, there are no consequences other than in Aaron Lewis's tiny pea brain where he gets all annoyed about it. And that's kind of been lost in the definition of freedom. It hasn't been lost in the definition of freedom, Aaron. You're getting lost in fucking reality. Because the consequences are the key thing that everybody's kind of... Everything gets a little skewed there. So what he's managed to do is pretty much say nothing other than... He shouldn't be allowed to do it because it upsets me. And that's my freedom not to be upset. Well, here you go, Aaron. You know what I'm saying, folks. You know where I'm going to come from. Aaron Lewis's entire career makes me fucking fume. It makes me so angry that that man has any money at all. He should be living in a fucking ditch, playing the acoustic guitar and sucking the odd cock to pay the rent for the box he lives in. The fact that he, I mean, it's brilliant. You know, he's talking about, he's talking about what's somebody doing, um, uh, uh, offending him and therefore they shouldn't be allowed to do it. Well, guess what, Aaron? Your entire career is an offence to my fucking ears, you redneck fucking knucklehead. So, there we go. That's that out of the way. Yes, in case you are wondering, I do feel a bit better. No, I haven't had an aneurysm. Um, anyway, moving moving on. Um, I'm a little bit more light-hearted, but I, that's really fucking wound me up, all of that shit. Anyway, um, the um, the new Inflame single, I don't know if anyone's heard at uh, the end, um, uh, possibly of their career. Fucking hell. Um, I, I've, look, I'm putting it out there right now. Inflames never been a fan. Never been a fan. Right from that, 
that just that Scandinavian fucking guitar sound they have. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens to guitars in Scandinavia when they're recorded, but I'm hoping you guys know what I mean. There is just something about it. But anyway, um uh, yeah, just unbelievable. Watch the lyric video. Why you would do a lyric video to a song that has got such peanut-headed lyrics is unbeyond. It's just absolutely unbeyond. You know, you know, lyrics like "Oh, dream of." I'm wondering about the emptiness of space. Really, the emptiness of space. Really, did you think of that all on your own? How about the emptiness in your own fucking head? Now I know English isn't their first language, but I'm sorry if you're going to write lyrics in English, then it then um, you're there to be shot at. Sorry, you are. And uh, honestly, just it, they they were like a child has written these fucking lyrics, and and that is offensive to to children everywhere. I'm uh, I'm sure. Um, we also had some some New Testament. Um, uh, this month, and um, yeah, I, I'm really struggling to get excited about it. I've got to be honest. Um, it's awful title, awful title. What's it called? The 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 fucking something Kingdom of the Snake or something. It's just I know, and the artwork just frankly, it, it just looks shit. It really does. I mean, it's that bad. It could be used as artwork on a Slayer T-shirt. And come on, you know what I'm talking about there. Um, some, some of the worst fucking merch artwork you've ever seen, but it, but it's but it's true, it's true, and it, it's anyway. Look, that's me saying it's true. It's it's my opinion, so therefore it's true. Ain't that right? Um, but yeah, I'm just. I, I mean, it sounded like Testament with, you know, with as always, awesome Gene drumming, some some um, blast beats and stuff. But I, I I just I don't know what it is. I was just failing to get excited about it. Really, really failing to just, I don't know, feel it, man. Just not feeling it. Um, but at least I'm giving you at least I'm giving you my opinion on it. Um, one of my favourite uh, headlines of the last um, last week or so was <laughs> David Mustaine. The, the headline saying Mustaine Mustaine has heard uh, Mustaine has heard Hardwired new Metallica single refuses to give opinion. Okay, and there's there's two hundred and twenty five comments under that story. It's like you people deserve each other. Yeah, that is if there if there is a greater clickbait headline. In the history of heavy metal, I've never seen it. Mustaine has heard new Metallica single, refuses to give opinion, and and everybody just clicks on it and starts commenting. Brilliant, just pure clickbait. There is no story there. That headline tells you everything you need to know. I mean, if if you actually click that link and read it, you fucking you've got too much time on your hands. You really have. For once, Mustaine has got nothing to say. And that would appear to have kicked off an even bigger controversy. It's absolutely hilarious. Honestly, I was fucking blown away by it. Blown away. Anyway, look, um, coming up to 20 minutes in, I don't like to do more than 20 minutes jibber-jabber up front before, um, before we get an interview on. So let's get straight into the interview with the legendary, and, and he is, he's legendary, this guy founded Metal Blade Records. This guy gave Slayer and Metallica their their big breaks, putting them on the, ma- the Metal Massacre compilations. This guy is about as fucking plugged into the thrash scene as you can possibly get. And what I love about this guy as well is that he is still the CEO, the founder, the head of A&R. The, he is still 
Metal Blade Records. It's all about him. In fact, if you put in, if you put into DuckDuckGo, obviously not Google, if you put into DuckDuckGo, which is a search engine, folks, look it up, it's brilliant. If you put into it, um, uh, Brian Slagle, the first link that comes up is Metal Blade Records. The next link that comes up is Brian Slagle Wikipedia, which I think is fucking awesome. To say that that is the guy is Metal Blade. You Google his name or you duck, duck, go his name and you get Metal Blade Records and then his name. Um, he's still in it. He is a pioneer. He is a legend. He is a man that if you like thrash metal, you fucking owe a debt of gratitude to. Simple as that. This is me and Brian Slagle. Hello, Brian. Hey, man. Hello there. How are you? I'm hanging in there. How are you? I, I, I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm very well. Um, Good, thank uh, sorry about the Sorry about the time issue. I was supposed to be on the East Coast, and I got sick, so I'm still stuck on the West Coast. Ah, right. I thought I'd gone insane. Um, it does. No, I re- I realized when you said, "Are you ready?" I'm like, "Oh shoot, I, I think I screwed that up." So sorry about that. <laughs> Absolutely no problem. It's just as well I've got a. It's just as well I've got a career as um, uh, in comedy and and music because if I was doing this full time, I would be fucked. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, look, firstly, um, thank you very much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no problem. After, after stalking you on Twitter for uh, for a little while, um, uh, I must admit you you caved quite easily. I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, I'm in, I'm an easy target. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, the show's called Talking Bollocks. Um, I was a singer in a UK thrash band, Acid Rain, years ago, who we've who have since brought back last year. Um, in the intervening twenty years, um, I've been a stand up comedian. Um, uh, which I still do, um, and this com- this sort of this podcast is kind of you know my love of uh, of metal, and uh, and I get to rant about anything I like. So um, uh, that's basically the scenario. Welcome to the show. Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, no problem. No problem. Now um, I did say I wasn't going to hassle you for a deal, so I won't. Um, uh, but. It- it's it's interesting. I heard your chat with um, Chuck and Godless, Godless on uh, Metal Sucks, and and I was kind of not rather following on from something they said, but it was there was something that came up in conversation I was really interested in, and that was that um, you were you were um, making positive noises about um, Spotify, and I just kind of wanted to I just wanted to sort of like just dig a little deeper with that and find out if you know well basically. Um, why I, everyone I speak to is is down on Spotify? So, you know, what, how can, what, why the optimism with you, Brian? Well, it's it's you know things change a lot in in the course of, of time, but yeah, basically, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've seen the transitions from you know cassettes and albums to CDs and you know all these different formats and changes and everything else and. You know, I've been doing a lot of research and talking to a lot of people about, you know, the future of the music industry and where things are going and how things are going to flush out. And I mean, basically, whether we like it or not, streaming is where it's all going and we we can't stop. Uh, and, and I learned that early on because I was I grew up in the 70s. I was a vinyl guy, you know, having a record label. I loved vinyl. Vinyls. I was like, vinyl is never going away. It's, there's, it's impossible. It can't happen. And I, we kept manufacturing a massive amount of vinyl. Then one day, 
it all came back and the company almost went out of business because I didn't look to the future of like, wow, the format is changing. Right, okay. And here we stand today with the same thing where the format is changing. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, I think, than what happened with vinyl because I don't think it's going to be just everybody's going to dis disband physical product and go immediately to streaming. Yeah. But certainly if you look at everything and you look at the future, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time as, you know, things we've seen in a, a, another huge decline in, in physical sales this year compared to last year, the, the, the largest decline in the history of the music business. So, I mean, it's just it's just a matter of time. So that being said... Uh, as a as a as a consumer and as a music fan, uh, I really do like Spotify because you know I can sit down in front of my computer and listen to any song I want to, or play some sort of shovel thing in the background, and you know it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty easy. I understand the the, the concept of you know I was talking to a, a couple friends of mine a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about like when we were kids, and you had an allowance of twenty dollars, and you had you know you could buy maybe two albums if you were lucky and you had to decide yeah. which two albums you could buy with that $20. Yeah. Well, now for $10, you can have everything at your fingertips. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 you know I, I certainly get it and this is just the way things are moving forward. So trying to be optimistic about, you know, where things are going, that's, I think, what you kind of have to do. So so basically, it's, it's a cross between trying to be optimi optimistic and doing your due diligence for the business. Absolutely. And I do think that, you know, just the, if you, you know, there's a million articles and numbers and things out there. And, you know, people seem to be people that don't have any stake in the music business, people that are venture capital people or, you know, these other people whose jobs are to forecast what various industries are doing. They all seem to think that in the future, with a lot of people buying in on streaming, that the music business actually is going to be making more money than it's made in, in a long period of time. So um, yeah. we will see uh, if that's the case. You know, I talk to artists all the time. I go, look, if what people say is going to happen in five years where streaming income is going to grow, you know, 10 times what it is now, so to speak, um, you know, just look at whatever royalties you're getting now and 10 times that, that that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the thing is, the, the thing about, the thing about streaming is that it's it's kind of almost not a format. It's just kind of there. Well, exactly. It's, it's not a format. But, I mean, this is the way – this seems to be the way people are going to be consuming – well, people are consuming media now this way. And it seems to be that this is where everything's going. And whether it's Netflix or Spotify or whatever it may be, you know, there's you yeah. know, almost a billion people out there that are consuming – entertainment this way now so yeah i mean and netflix is a great model as well because it's it's a great example of you know when people do pay subscriptions you know the money you put in you you are going to get back on screen because you are going to see these great you know netflix original series and original movies and it i guess it's just it's 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 another it's a it's a way of communicating to people. Look, if you if you do invest in 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 artists online, you 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 can benefit from it. You know, full circle. Well, net, yes, but Netflix is is a different business model. I, and yeah. I have a lot of friends yeah. who make independent movies, and Netflix has really killed them because right. Netflix yeah. has no interest in what they're doing or paying them any money for things. Yeah, so it's yeah. really <laughs> limited the independent filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so it's been a little bit difficult on that end for for Netflix, but I think the music version of streaming is a lot different. Where 
people want everything. They want all of the content. I mean, this is why the major labels and other people are trying to buy up anything that they possibly can because the more content they have, the more yeah. power they have moving forward. And the idea is to get out, get out everything because you can do that in, in the music streaming world, unlike the Netflix streaming world. So, it, it, obviously, this conversation is, is, is heading one place, one place only right now, and that's YouTube. Um, where, how, how, do we, how do we solve a problem like YouTube? Well, yeah, I, I wish I could. I wish I had the, the answer there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, that's a, I mean, to be to be honest with you, Brian, I apologise. That is the shittest question ever. That really yeah. is. It's like you know, you're quite right. It's a it's a it's a problem that has fooled much greater minds um, uh, than mine for longer. So uh, my apologies. That was a that was a bit of a hospital n- ball. No worries, I get it. But but I mean, though, at least look, <clears throat> you know, I, you know. I, same thing. I mean, trying to, to remain positive about these things, you know, YouTube, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you, we are generating income from YouTube now. It's not a massive amount of money, but it's, it's becoming something. Uh, it's clearly, you know, their platform. Uh, I mean, if we as a label had to house all of our videos in, in the high quality that YouTube does, it would cost us a fortune. Yeah. yeah. So YouTube at least does for, you know, not just, uh, not just metal, but every label does, you know, offer that, service really of, of doing all those sort of things yeah yeah and there are ways you know there's there are ways people are monetizing youtube a little bit a little bit more than than other than other ways and you know you just have to use it you know you just have to use it best you can just for an example like we we put up a bunch of our cannibal corpse dvds in full just because you know you you can monetize them a little bit, and people couldn't get them any other way. And the only, yeah. you know, as you know, the only way to watch a lot of this stuff is on YouTube. Yeah. So you know, we'll see. I mean, there's I know there's talks with a lot of people about YouTube about you know trying to pay more money, and there are other people that believe that the YouTube format moving forward is going to become obsolete. So you know, who right. knows? I mean, anything. It, it it's. I talk to people now, and it's it's the wild, wild west in terms of how all this stuff is going on right now. So, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm only nine years your junior, so you know, I I grew up on vinyl. I was part of the big CD revolution, and and I mean, you know, you're talking vinyl, CD, cassettes. That's three formats over the space of a good twenty to twenty five years. And by the way, strangely enough. All three of those formats are still, you know, somewhat thriving. I mean, vinyl's doing very well, and it, CDs, as much as they decline every year, I mean, it's still the the for metal, it's still the predominant way people consume music. Yeah, and cassettes are making this very bizarre comeback. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I, I I don't know why anyone would ever want to see another cassette in their lives ever again. Uh, I, I don't understand that either, but I mean, I I know people that have cassette only labels. So I was yeah. like, yeah, put the cassette in, and let's guess where that song is. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, but there's so th- three formats over like twenty twenty five years, and then and and like you said, everything is changing. It's you know, there's it's a um, uh, the shifting sands beneath our feet constantly. I mean, there's it, it, it's kind of like things are changing every six months as opposed to. You know, every year, literally, what what's happening now? Um, do you see any? I mean, given obviously that you're you're doing as much research as you can, um, business wise, 
Um, do you see anything interesting coming up technology-wise? Are you privy to anything like that? Well, I try to, you know, pay attention to that sort of stuff, but it doesn't seem like, I, you know, it seems like everything is kind of just, you know, morphing forward as it as it always does. In other words, there's not something you look at like, oh my god, I can't wait for this this thing to come out. I, I mean, yeah. there's so much technology out there, and there's so many crazy versions of technology and what you can get, what you can't get. And I think the the one. The one thing that I noticed that, that makes me at least kind of somewhat excited about music is all these other forms of entertainment, whether it's music or movies or TV shows or TV channels or, you know, all this various stuff. <clears throat> There's always limits in what you can get. You can never get everything, you know, if like if I'm a satellite TV subscriber, I can only get certain channels and, you know, you can't get other stuff. And if you're, you know, if you ditch the... If you ditch your cable or satellite and you have Apple TV or whatever other device like that and you only watch stuff on TV, you can't get everything. So it seems like there's a lot of limitations there and nobody's going to come under the umbrella of like, hey, here's where you can get everything. Yeah. Whereas at least when you look at the music business, if you if you focus on the streaming, you could pretty much get everything there. You're, you know, you're not missing much of anything now. I mean, everybody's bought into this music streaming thing. I think every major band is up there. There's a few you know people that kind of lock in and out but you can pretty much get everything yeah so that's a, i think a really interesting part of, of just being a consumer of entertainment it's like wow i can actually get everything i want in one place as opposed to you know i'm a big sports fan so i have, to have, I have to have cable i have to have satellite I have to, all these different things to watch all the sports i want to watch it's kind of a, it's very annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, and that's exactly how they want it, um, which is you know, of course understandable. I mean, there's a load of there's a load of football or soccer, as you may know it, that's on tonight that I can't watch because I don't have this one particular channel that has bought the rights to all of the Champions League. Um, and yeah, yep. it's uh, but that's the only thing of theirs that I want, so I'm not going to buy it. And it, yeah, it's just annoying. Yes, very much so. And that, you know, and that at least, you know, in terms of, of where, you know, we're looking at a music is, is an interesting concept of like, wow, there actually is everything there in one in one place. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's a sign of the times or it's a sign of my first question, but um, that we've we've been talking for um, for coming up 15 minutes and um, and 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 it's really been a kind of like we it's been sort of like a you know a tech based business model conversation and I know I, exciting I hope we haven't put everybody <laughs> that's, yeah 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 welcome to the geek squad um, but the um, it, it kind of it, it kind of leads on to the question that is you know how is has your job as like you know as CEO changed I mean do you you know do you spend way more time looking at this kind of stuff than than you'd want to do, you know do you do you have are you in a position where you can get, where you can turn to people and say look can you research that for me because I you know I, I, I I'm the music guy or do you want to be all over everything how does it work Oh no, I'm I'm a technology freak, so I I love this ah, sort of stuff. Right. And okay. uh, I've always been, you know, we always have tried to be, you know, as as cutting edge as you can because it, when you're running an independent label, you have to be one step ahead of everybody else to be to kind of be in existence. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. I mean, we were, you know, we were the first metal label to have a web page. We were first on MySpace. We were first on Twitter. We were first on 
Instagram, Facebook, you know, you name it. So we got into all that stuff really early. So I, I actually yeah. really love looking at all this technology stuff. But I think it's all very fascinating on where things are going and, you know, what how you can use stuff and what you can do to, to, to make your thing a little bit better and how to get in as early as you can. And, I mean, look, we didn't – we definitely didn't get in early at all on the streaming thing because similar to – you know, the same thing happened with iTunes. When iTunes first came out, we didn't get involved with that either because the – because iTunes were paying the major labels one deal, and they were paying yeah. the independent labels another deal. And I just didn't think that's fair. It's like, why is my product worth, worth less than the major label? So yeah. uh, myself and a lot of other independent labels held out until eventually iTunes gave us the same deal that the majors got. And it was very similar to Spotify and a lot of the streaming services where you know they were giving the majors their deal first. And the majors, in all transparency, the majors own part of Spotify. Yeah. So clearly that's why they were getting their deals. And eventually, you know, they came around to giving us the same deals that the majors, that the owners have, I guess. So we don't have any ownership stake. But, um, you know, so we, we came in a little bit late on that. But the technology stuff I, I love. I, I like to research all that stuff. I like to kind of see what's going on and what's happening and where things are going. And, you know, it, it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, respects, again, as a consumer, because I'm still mainly a fan of not only music, but, yeah. you know, sports and other things. Yeah, so I me, wanna, too. me too. You know, I'm always interested in how, how I'm able to get all these things in the best quality and the easiest way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I also sometimes I think, um, I think people can be a little bit rigid in, um, when it comes to music, when you've got an audio, not even an audiophile, but people are just into their music. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I consider myself a fairly typical metalhead. Now, I, um, I've got CDs for the car, I've got vinyl in the house, and um, I consume digital on my phone. So, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's, you know, boxing people into one particular, oh, right, well, you know, they're going to stream or they're going to download. People consume their, can, can consume their music in all sorts of different ways. Yes, and uh, that's a great thing. And certainly in the metal world, you know, we've we have uh, unbelievably amazing and loyal fans who, who yeah. you know, it's like a badge of honor to purchase the music to buy it. I mean, you know, I certainly probably wouldn't be talking to you here today if it wasn't for that. So I greatly appreciate that, and it's still that way where people can consume it kind of any any way, any way they can. I guess it's our job uh, to figure out in the future how to make sure that all those uh, all of those options are still available yeah. and, and easy for them to get. Of course, we are, are talking about anywhere outside of Germany because Germany remains in <laughs> 1995 where it's it, nothing but physical product and no one cares about digital downloads or streaming or anything else, you gotta, you, which you, is amazing. you gotta, you got you got to love the Germans and who, who thought anyone would ever say that. Um, but you have, you know, you've, you've, you've got to love... not in your country. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think we've just about forgiven. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was over there for the Big Four show in um, in Stuttgart a few years ago, and um, and it it was like stepping back in time. You know, it was it was a football arena show. Um, everybody was smoking. Everybody was sat in the aisles, blocking everybody's way. Um, everybody was wearing cut off denim, and it was just. It was like being at, at Donington Monsters of Rock circa like nineteen eighty nine. It was it was just incredible. Yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's insane over there. Like we're 
you know, obviously we're down in a lot of places this year because of CD sales and stuff, or we're flat or whatever. Yeah. Um, but in Germany, we're having one of the best years we've ever had in Germany. We're doing <laughs> selling crazy amounts of, of physical product, and it, it's just nuts. But that's it's great. Like, but it's great. Over, over in Germany, they're like, what? What? There's a crisis in the music business. I don't know what you're talking about. But that, but that's great because it's like it, it, it because it's it's not an inconsiderable country, is it? It's huge. So it can well, it's, really it's, make yeah, a exactly. it can it's really the, make a difference. Con- country in Europe. Yeah. So it can really make a difference. Um that's, I mean, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's, that's just bizarre that one country should just go its own route. But then again, you know, it is Germany and they, they do, yeah, they, they do everything their way. Um, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, and to move on, moving on slightly to the label and, um, uh, and every, by the way, just what you were saying earlier, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a fan. That's why, you know, I, I, started a band was because fan of the music you know and um i mean we just played bloodstock um a few weeks ago and to be you know we we completely felt like we were you know any minute we were going to get thrown out you know we were we, we were <laughs> in a backstage area you know like having having dinner with mastodon and stuff and it was just kind of like you know we really shouldn't be here like everybody in the band's taking selfies like literally any minute you know we're going to get thrown out um and and I and I I still feel like that as I've managed to retain that kind of enthusiasm despite you know years in the business like like yourself although you you have considerably more years in the biz um, than uh, than myself but coming coming back and and getting a chance to play shows and be on these bills and stuff like that it's a, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge huge buzz and it it it's weird because having been such a, a big piece of time since I did it the first time around it's really it's really taken me back to a place you know that 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 shall forever exist in kind of 1987 to 1991 um and absolutely phenomenal phenomenal times um would you say that you know have is is there anybody around now or coming up now that excites you as much as back in the day yeah, I think I, I think you know I'm always excited by by new music, and that's you know it's more and more it's getting more and more difficult to get that heard because there's so much music out there. Yeah, but certainly yeah. there there's a lot of stuff that I get excited about. Um, on in the Metal Blade world, we have this. There's one guy kind of playing a lead that's very melodic and then a heavy background. It's I saw them a few weeks ago in New York. And I was just blown away by how incredible they were live. And, and just, what's the name I of the was, band again? They're called If These Trees Could Talk. Right, okay. Crazy name, but they are, uh, it's super underground, there's no vocals, it's all instrumental, so. Right, oh well. You know, not, oh, right. not, oh, something, not something that's going to, you know, sell uh, zillions of records, but right, God, it's so cool. Hang on, I'm, I'm a vocalist, right, so basically that shouldn't be allowed. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going dis- to disagree with you very much about that, <laughs> because, I, you know. It's like following music that doesn't have any any singing. Like, once you get bored, but I heard this stuff and it's so interesting and unique that uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and there's a a band that's that's not really a metal band, so I get a lot of flack for that. But I like a lot of different stuff. But everyone's a, welcome a, on here, Brian. Everyone. Pardon? Everybody's welcome on here. It's a well. I mean, they're you know they're not that far away. It's they're it's a hard rock, like a glam hard rock band. that's kind of very. 70s and 80s called Mother Feather, two female lead singers with a bunch of crazy Alice Cooper-ish 
makeup on that are really fun. Okay, uh, I did. I, I did say everybody was welcome. I'm. 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 I may. Um, I may re-examine that. That sound. That that sounds like a, a just bizarre. How how the hell are they making that work? I. You know. That's what I. You, you kind of hear that. And you, you you hear the description. You go like, really? But yeah, it's yeah. it's super cool. It's super cool. It's like Bowie Cooper. You know, Joan Jett. Uh, you know, the yeah 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 is kind of all wrapped into one little high energy and it's very theatrical which i you know i grew up in the 70s so kiss alice cooper you know elton john all this big theatrical stuff i love so this band's got a lot of theatrics well look i so i I, I, abs- no, like, I absolutely love um theatrics and it's you know that's that's a, a big part of what sets metal uh, you know apart from a lot of other genres um but and you mentioned a band there i'm really curious okay i'm really curious um, I have I have never ever been able to figure out uh, why anyone likes Kiss, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm you're you're I'll tell you why because you're just a little too old. Like if you were, <laughs> I was fourteen when I first heard Kiss, and it just it works when you're fourteen. Hang on, yeah, no, no, yeah, but I was I was young, I'm younger than you, so I sh- I, I basically what you're saying is I discovered them uh, after you my. You discovered them, my... yeah. You, if you were if you were if you were younger, yeah. When you first heard Kiss, you'd be you, you. It would be a different story. You're just you. You didn't come in at the right time to be a Kiss fan. Well, no, because I got I got. I mean, I you know I I I was like kill them all. You know that was that yeah, that yeah, that was me. yeah. Once you hear that, you're still going backwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And hearing and definitely hearing Kiss would have been going backwards from that. Um, yes, absolutely. No, yeah. that's why you, that's why you don't get it. So, but, but uh, right, okay, but uh, it, it's it's just it's the it doesn't strike me as metal at all. But again, is that just the is that how it's aged over the years? Because obviously, like, well, said, but in, you know, I'll tell you what though, in 1970, that song "Strange Ways" that was on Have It uh, <clears throat> Hotter Than Hell that came out in 1974, like that riff in 1974 was ungodly heavy. Right. Okay. And some okay. of the stuff that they did, and you know, you got to remember, it's like in, in the mid 70s. And well, that stuff for for that time frame was very very heavy. Uh, well, yes, and they 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 did do a did do a disco album just to balance all of that heaviness out. Well, yeah, well, you know, they lost their way a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and the, the you know the, again the theatrics, the makeup. You know, they're all wearing black in the early yeah. days. They're wearing black leather and silver and studs and spikes, and there's explosions and yeah. All sorts of insanity going on. I mean, Every, that, that everything was, that, was, that was pretty metal for 1975, 76, Everything to distract you from the god awful music. Yeah, ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do remember when I was a kid because I used to. I live hang out at record stores because I was, a, you know, obviously a huge music fan. And that's that's why I was riding my bike yeah. to one of the music stores when the four Kiss solo records came out to buy all four of them. Ah, and they, now yeah, and my. And my friend who was working the counter would just, he was shaking, he said, like, you're a real music fan. You know good music. Why are you buying it? <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? I, I'm, I, I, when I was going to mention, I actually got two of those. Because so you, you're right, the image and everything. I, I was like, like this, this, the image, and like those solo albums, you look at them and you think, fuck me, these are awesome. This is... This is this is a proper image. This is great. And then I just felt like it, you'd listen to the music and go... Ooh, right. Okay. So that's that's nowhere near as hard hitting as the as uh, as the visuals. Um, except except for the Ace Frehley album. The Ace Frehley album is good. The other three are not. But the Ace Frehley album right. is very good. Well, I and and funnily enough, yeah. I I mean, I I used to um, I used to go to school in my uniform, walk straight through school, 
um, well, actually, going to school, get changed into my casual clothes, sneak out of school, go and work in a record shop, and then, like, about an, about half an hour before school finished, I'd leave the record shop, go get get changed, back into my uniform, walk through school, and then, you know, go home, and how's your day at school? Yeah, it was great, you know. That was, um, that was part of my education, you know, just working in a record store, which was just just awesome um, yes absolutely you know, especially in those formative years being around people who love music as much as you did i mean it's just it obviously there's such a that there's so many different um there's so much culture available to to, to kids growing up now it's kind of hard to describe kind of not how bleak but how how little was around back then yeah, it's a whole different. I mean, it, yeah, it's impossible to describe. And when you think back to the early days, you know, before the internet and everything else, it's it's uh, it's, it's crazy. And I think that's why music was such an important thing back there because it yeah. meant. I mean, it, not to say it doesn't mean a lot to these kids today, because it certainly does, and probably every bit as much as it meant to us when we were kids. But it's a little bit more. For me, it's a little bit more special because it was not. It was just harder to get. You had to wait longer to for things to come out. Like you had the to, day you had, a record yeah. came out was like this amazing day. And... You had to earn your stripes. You yes, know? yeah, absolutely. And well, I remember that. I remember being a record in a record store the day the day over here, Master of Puppets and Spreading the Disease came out on the same day. Now, oh, wow, crazy. now that is a fucking trip to the record shop. Okay. <laughs> I mean, coming home, classic. With, I know, coming home with those two, just going shit. I don't, you know, which one do I play first? Which one do I like best? <laughs> and literally alternating the plays and talking to your friends, and just like you know, well, Master of Puppets is in the league, but Spreading the Disease is coming. You know, it's all gung ho. Come on, has anyone ever heard anything like that before? You know, yep. and uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, that was just fucking crazy. Whereas, like you say, now you can hear a name of a band and within a few minutes you've you've got everything they've ever released, you know, at the touch of a fingertip. And that's that's fine. You know, that's 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 where we're at. Um, I just wonder if basically we, you know, the, we we maybe don't. Well, because you don't have the captive audience that you did back then, that you lose more kids to gaming or you lose more kids to to like. You know. Well, see, I'm actually going to disagree with you because I think Ooh. there is more access to music than ever before, and I think there's more, there's definitely more, way more people listening to music than there ever have been. Because before, you know, you had to have money to buy a record, or yeah, you, you know, it was really, it wasn't that easy to to, to listen to hear the music. No, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's right. listening to it. I mean, you look at at. Uh, you know, just bands numbers on 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 you know YouTube videos and just other stuff. I mean, and your Facebook pages and you know these bands have millions of of people listening to their music. That that you know, a band like Amon Amarth, for example, is you know a huge band that you're doing massive numbers and stuff. But I mean, they have you know tens of millions of people listening to their music, which you would never have would never have happened in 1985 or yeah yeah prior to that so i think there's way more people listening to music now and it's becoming a bigger part of, of the culture now that being said gaming may be a more uh, a bigger uh, thing in their life than music but i think that there's definitely you know there's so much access to music now so many people listen to music Everybody, you know, so many people have heard of bands that you never would think that they would have heard of before. So there's definitely more people out there listening to it than ever before. And I don't think that's going to change either. No, do, you, do you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. And, and and the fact that you were able to call bullshit on my theory so quickly 
um, made uh, made made me realise that um, uh, I yeah it was it was not something that I'd really thought out. And um, of course, you're absolutely right. The, it's it, the actual access now is well any anyone can access any kind of music whereas whereas like way back in the day your your first the, your first experience of music would be playing records of your parents you know yep. stuff they had which let's yep. face it you were you know you're at the mercy of your parents music and politics for fuck's sake yep so, absolutely so yeah i i you're absolutely right it's a lot it's a lot um well the world the world got a lot smaller obviously Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of which, um, do you uh, do you get over to Europe much? Do you get over to the UK much? Yeah, I'm there. You know, sadly, I haven't been there as much in the last couple of years. But I mean, I, I go to Europe at least two or three times every single year. So uh, uh, this year, I've only been once so far. I went to Hellfest, which is probably my favorite festival at the moment. And um, yeah, and one we're desperately trying to get on for next year. So uh, yeah, see, cool. See, yeah. Um, it is pretty amazing. I mean, and that's that's just the that's just seeing a list of bands. It's like a telephone directory of who's who in metal. Yeah, every every year it's good, and it's really well it's well run. Everybody goes up on time. The bands all have a good time. It's located twenty minutes from a real city, so you can actually stay in a you know stay in a reasonable hotel. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. old guys like me, that's important. So. Uh, mate, no, look, no problem. There's uh you know hotels were invented for a reason, and that's because man should not camp. Um, yes, I, yeah. I, I, not, I agree. not unless there's a fucking war. Okay, and you have to live in a field because the guys the in the other field want to kill you. That is the only reason for living in a fucking field. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that statement at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, although, although you know, we we love all festival organisers and they do great jobs, but yeah, uh, living in the outdoors is for Cro Magnum man. And then we, uh, you know, we evolved into living indoors, and that's the way it is. I get the convenience of it. You know, you wake up, you walk, you know. 10 minutes through the festival and you'd go back and sleep. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I'm not into that. So. But that's, but that's always the theory though, isn't it? And then, and in practice, yeah, when nature gets up, you're fucking getting up, you know? Oh yeah. And, and also, well, yeah, you know, look, if I, if I was, if I was 25 though, I could probably go three days with four or five hours of sleep watching a bunch of bands. But yes. Yeah. But that was a long time ago. So yeah, true. Me. I did. I did the old, uh, Donington, you know, monsters of rock. I mean, it was only, it was only one night, but we'd be, you know, one or two nights. We'd be, we'd be there for like four or five days. Um, well, and you couldn't, you couldn't get back. I remember going to Donington once, and I was yeah. there for a day and a half. And we couldn't, we had to wait at the train station until like five a.m. for the trains back to London to, yeah, to to start up again or whatever time it was. So yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, yes. Welcome to UK transport in the late eighties, early nineties. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you got a ticket? Yeah. Well, tough. There's no fucking trains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when's that? When's the last time you were over in the UK? I was in the UK a couple of years ago. Um, usually, I'm there every single year, but I have not been. I'm trying to remember the last time I was there was well, actually I'm lying. I was there on the way to Hellfest. I was there for two days on the way to Hellfest. Ah, right. Okay. What am I saying? I'm just like, oh yeah, that's right. I was in the UK for two days before Hellfest in <laughs> London. So, um, but yeah, I, I, try, I try to I try to come over for shows at least once a year because I do love the UK and you. How's my favorite venue in the entire world, which is the O2 Arena? I wish more bands would play there, but I absolutely worship that place. Really? Because that is that is a traffic fucking nightmare. But um... well, yeah, I mean, I just take the tube there and get there yeah. a little bit early. But uh, and I live in LA, so traffic nightmares to me are. Uh, 
Oh right, we That's haven't a daily we, occurrence. Yeah, yeah, we we haven't even we haven't even begun, have we? You've got you've got five line you've got five lanes of hell, haven't you? Uh, it's, you can't go anywhere. You really just can't go anywhere. It oh. takes you an hour and have to go anywhere. It's, it's oh, it's just fucking horrendous. Well, I, so I, the, the O2, tell me more, because apparently it is the most visited venue in the world. Oh, wow, cool. It's, yeah, I, I really like it. I think it, I think the layout of it is great. The sound in there is really great. Uh, it's cool to have all those like bars and restaurants in, in the vicinity there, so you can get there early and kind of hang out yeah it's cool i i have enjoyed uh, every time i've seen shows there. i've seen iron maiden my favorite band of all time there a bunch so that's that also probably helps oh you see now you see you've mentioned maiden and that means i have to mention book of souls how fucking amazing is that oh yeah phenomenal i mean I, I love it it's definitely i mean look i uh i think that all i think the record prior to that the final frontier was an amazing record and I, I get kind of people going back and forth on that but i, I love that record and yeah i think book of souls is is just a, an unbelievable, unbelievably phenomenal record. But I, it's just the fact that they are so late into their career, and that you know that they produce a work like that of just such phenomenal quality all the way through. And I mean, I bought the I bought the triple vinyl of it, which is absolutely just to die for. It is amazing. Yep, but it's just I I don't know. It kind of it really does my head in that this band have been around so long, and yet they can they can hit such highs so deep into their careers, where 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 other bands just seem to you know they're in a holding pattern for years or you know it, it's uh, you know it it's just incredible the the depth of of songwriting ability in that band. It's just phenomenal. <sighs> Well, I mean, obviously, they're you know some of the most talented musicians ever, uh, so that certainly helps. And you know, they're it's they're a really interesting band because they're kind of in this little bubble, yeah. where it's their own world, and they don't really care about what's going on outside their world. They don't care about you know hit songs. They don't care about you know all all these sort of things. And that, they and this has been their whole career, really. Yeah. Uh, and they've you know, and I think because of that, they've obviously gotten bigger and bigger, and they can kind of do whatever they want. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I mean, look, as a, as a fan, obviously, it, uh, it's great to hear them continuing to put out quality music, which is why they're still, you know, one of the bigger bands in the world. And uh, yeah, it, and I guarantee you, I, I, I've, I've kind of had this conversation, but I kind of had, haven't blatantly, uh, um, blatantly brought this out. But I guarantee you, that's exactly why Metallica is putting out a double record, because Maiden did it. So... <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Well, speaking of which, um, um, any thoughts on Hardwired? I think it's amazing. I absolutely love it. It's, uh, I think it's a great track. I, I was definitely, the first time I heard it, I was shocked to hear James curse. Yeah. It's been so long since he cursed. But it's, but how, right, just stop there, right? You are the first person who's picked up on it. I, I'm, everybody that I will, that I'm, talk to about it i've said hetfield is back swearing that's all that matters that is what we ta- <laughs> that, that's what we fucking well, take away from that song that's what we well, take he, away he's angry i mean you can yeah. tell he's angry and yeah. it's uh it's not you know i mean look to, to be able to channel that sort of anger in a place that those guys are at i mean you talk about maiden and I mean, maiden you know is massively huge and clearly those guys all have probably more money than they'll ever need and it's clearly the case of metallica but you know i mean metallica is one of the top probably four 
four or five bands in the world. So to get a band to kind of go back to their roots like that and, and really generate some real anger was uh, very impressive. I, I, I was pretty blown away. I mean, <clears throat> I've heard little snippets of things here and there, but I, I haven't heard you know a full song really until that one, aside from the Lords of Summer that they put out. So yeah, yeah, very impressed. Well, very I, impressed. I also think that um, I, I don't know. Maybe it, it just it rings true to me as a little bit more authentic, a little bit more. Uh, oh, I don't well genuine than than maybe Death Magnetic, which which I did like, um, but but it, it it did have a kind of we're we're trying to rediscover ourselves feel. Whereas this well, just but, seems. But to here's be... the thing. Here's the thing about that because I'll, I'll de- I defend Metallica all day long. This is, seems to be one of my many jobs, apparently. <laughs> okay. um, just because I'm really good is friends it, with them and I is, and I is, understand where they're at. So isn't that Stefan Shirazi's job? Well, yeah. Well, he's he's the number one guy. That's right. Right. Okay. You're not trying to. But you have to remember the Metallica throughout their entire career are are there. Nothing they've ever done is contrived, or they've sat down and thought about stuff. It's just whatever their influence that period of time. Like when they made Load and Reload, they're listening to to '70s metal, Poyser Call, Bob Turner Overdrive, Thin Lizzy, all this sort of stuff. So that's kind of the record you get. So with Death Magnetic, uh, I was talking to Lars, and and Lars is like, hey. you know, can you send us that new wave of British heavy metal album that we, that, you know, we put out this record with, he, he put together a new wave of British heavy metal record for the 10th anniversary, I think it was. Was it that? Anyway, a long time ago. Right, okay. uh, which had all the, the big hits on it. Say, hey, can you send us a couple copies of those? Because like I guess they'd lost their versions of it. So I said, sure. And we sent them a bunch of other stuff. And they kind of went back and really, because of what was happening in metal at the time, you know, they were listening to a lot of stuff and, you know, they wanted to kind of go back and, and, like you said, rediscover their roots a little bit and go back and get more familiar. You know, they listen to Diamond Head or whatever here and there, but they want to go kind of deep and go, like, let's go back and listen to, you know, the stuff we were listening to when we first started. Yeah. So both he and James and for sure Kirk went back and, uh, and went back and listened to all that stuff, you know, Merciful Fate or whatever it is. Uh, and that's kind of the record they wrote. They were clearly influenced by all, by all that early stuff. And I, I love Death Nick. Aside from the distortion factor, uh, I think <laughs> yeah. it's a great, a really great record. And again, a band that huge and that big to go back to their roots would be like if you two went back and wrote, you know, Boy Again, or if you know, Rush went back and did Caress of Steel or something like that. A massive huge band going back and you know re kind of you know going back to their roots and doing it really well i mean that's just more or less unheard of the stones doing you know goats and soup again i mean that you know that just doesn't happen these days so well i guess uh, i i guess it's um it, it's the risk factor isn't it because basically it's it's one of those presumably you know with motor with most acts you're going to have management there saying look this there, there isn't you know there's no upside here. Going going backwards is going backwards, and if you go back and it's and it's deemed not a success or not as good as your old stuff, you know you, you're creating a rod for your own back. Totally, absolutely. But they don't care. They really don't care. They, yeah. Those and, and this is the essence of really any band. Those four guys, and th- this is the essence of any good band. They make music for themselves. They really don't care about anybody else. They go in to make a record, to make themselves happy. <clears throat> and if they're happy, then nine times out of ten, the fans are going to be happy. And that's the way it is for, for any band, you know, any any real band. If you start making music thinking like, oh, I want to do this, but the management says do that, or yeah. maybe it's not the right time, it's, you're just, you're fucked. 
Yeah. Just fuck. You make the music to make it for yourself. That's how every that's how every big band started. Like yeah. when they first started, they weren't making music for anything other than what they loved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what they really went back and did is like they got back in love with that stuff and said, you know, we want to make a heavy record. And I think there's a little bit there's definitely a little bit of, you know, they, they know where they're at in, in their course of history and, and w- within metal and stuff. And they very well know that the metal scene had, you know, come back and was doing really well. And, you know, all these young bands were out there doing well. And they kind of, I think, in the back of their mind, it was like, let's just show everybody how it's really done. And that's kind of, I think, an emphasis for even the new single. It's like, let's just show all these bands how it's really done. Well, also, I think the way the way it just like appeared as well. It's like nobody saw that coming. It just it just appeared over here at like half nine, ten o'clock at night. Boom, there it is. That's kind of the way they are, though. I mean, I remember when they were doing the Black album, and I was in the studio with them. Like right when they were just finishing it up, they had they were looking at the album covers and. They were finishing up them. They were literally finishing up the mix that day. And I go, when are you guys putting this out? It's like, ah, we're going to put it out like a, in a month. I'm like, what do you mean a month? You can't put a record out a month. But it's like, well, we're Metallica. We can do whatever we want. Everybody's going to do bend over backwards to put the record out. And clearly, as soon as they were done with it, it came out like a month later, which right. is crazy. So they, they do that stuff all the time where it's like, oh, okay, we're ready. Let's just put it up. Yeah, it's nuts, nuts. And well, from one stalwart of the big four to another um uh any thoughts on um repentless i love it i, I think it's great me um, I'm, I'm a fan too i'm a i'm a, I'm a big fan yeah carrie is a really really good friend of mine i've had i just saw him i had dinner with him a, a few nights ago and uh, i was in the studio when, when they were making that record <clears throat> and he was playing me this is just the the bass i think i heard like about six songs i was like wow this is really old school stuff i, I like i love the direction yeah, and uh, I said, "Is there any of is there any of this stuff any of Jeff's?" And Carrie's like, "Nah, it's all my stuff. I didn't really, you know, they listened to some of Jeff's stuff, and it just didn't really quite fit in. I know they want to use some of it in the future, but it just didn't seem to work for this. But yeah, I like it. I think it's good. Sounds like old school Slayer. Uh, Bo Staff, who, who I really love, yeah, me as too. a drummer, but I never loved him as much as Dave. Like to me, there was no Slayer without Dave Lombardo. And when Bo Staff was in the band after Dave left, I was like, I mean, he's a great drummer. He's a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. But it just, it just didn't feel right to me. And then when he came back in the band, I saw them at Bloodstock. Uh-huh. Right. Like three years ago. Yeah. And I purposely watched it from, like, I don't like to be on stage to watch shows. I hate being there. I want to be in the crowd because it's yeah. what I'm used to being, you know? Yeah. So I was watching it from the right side of the stage, or Carrie's side of the stage, but where the PA was kind of blocking both steps. So I couldn't see the drummer. Yeah. They just wanted to kind of listen. And for the first time ever since Paul was in the band, I was like, wow, I don't miss Dave. This is really weird. So I talked to Carrie afterwards, and I told him, I said, hey, because he well knows my theory on that, because I'm always trying to get keep Dave in the band. But um, right. <laughs> I said, this, you know, this is the first time I ever heard you guys with Paul, and I didn't miss Dave. And he said, well, what Paul did was, you know, when they, <clears throat> they asked to be back in the band, <clears throat> excuse me. No worries. He sat down and like really learned how Dave played all those songs and learned because Dave plays just a little off. It's yeah. Not it's not perfect timing. It's just a tiny bit off, and that what makes it work. Yeah. So he learned how Dave played on those songs and adjusted it to his playing, and it's like wow, he this sounds 
like Dave playing now. And I think a little bit of that definitely creeped in on, on his playing on this record where it sounded a little bit more like old school Slayer. So. Yeah, yeah I, I'm in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm me too. I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, given everything that the that they went through, I think it's a, an absolutely phenomenal piece of work. Um, I mean, I know, I know Gary from from way back in the day, and Paul actually, um, and um, I think you know Gary's a perfect fit. Um, his leads are, are, are just you know are perfect. They complement Gary's well, but also it's just there's you know. The, the songwriting, full stop. You know, he's he's done a phenomenal job on that, Kerry. He really has. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. And, I, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the last few Slayer records. I think there's, you know, a couple good songs on there. But this is definitely by far the, the most consistent one, which is which is good. And I think, you know, I've heard a little bit of, of what's to come on the next one. And I think it's only going to be better. So, yeah, I mean, I just saw him. I, I just saw him talking about uh, about the possibility of a next one, saying that they, they still had a load of stuff left over from from Repentless. Yep. Yep. They still have because uh, he kind of they wrote a ton of stuff. So I think there was they always were kind of that way where there would be a couple songs left over from every record that didn't make it on that would make it on the next one. And this one clearly is the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how do you? Uh, I, I mean, talking about old bands, how do you find new bands now? Is it? I mean, you know, obviously it's not, you know, people sending in demo tapes. Is it? And 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 do you? You know, how do you classify who's who? You know, do you do you look at Facebook? You know, the amount of Facebook likes. Have they got a YouTube channel? And you know, is it, how how do bands get in front of you? How do they get into your ears, having never been there before? Well, um, we should do things like look at Facebook likes and YouTube and <clears throat> Twitter, but we really don't. No, I'm glad as, you don't. As much as we probably should. But, uh, I mean, look, honestly, if it's something that comes in that we love, I don't really care. I mean, look, I do care about that sort of stuff, and you do need that, and it certainly makes it a lot easier for us if there's something happening. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it really hasn't changed a whole lot over the course of time. It, usually somebody – either one of our bands said hey we saw this really great band open for us in indianapolis or you know somebody from chicago said hey there's this really great band here that you know they own a record store a radio station or something it's usually people that we know in the various cities right they will kind of turn you on to something or the various countries obviously we have you know we have a load of european bands and european offices and all that sort of stuff so it kind of comes from a little bit of everywhere everybody but generally it's yeah somebody <clears throat> knows the band somehow so that's why i always tell bands like look it's a little bit different nowadays but certainly you know get on social media start that working for you get involved with whatever city you're in with a local scene there so that you know people there know who you are and that's that's the, the best way to start because eventually you'll get in front of somebody's ears yeah, absolutely. And do you, I mean, are you, uh, do you have a kind of like, right, I, you know, I want to sign X number of bands this year or it, or is it literally just, uh, you know, as and when you discover artists? Yeah, we, uh, unfortunately, we should be doing all those sort of things. <laughs> we just fly by the seat of our pants, really, and just, you know, you, we could sign one band or we could sign 10. If there's 10 bands we like, we could. It's definitely getting a lot harder these days to do it, unfortunately. It's a lot harder for new bands to, to come up. I and mean, you're looking, you're realistically looking at a 10-year commitment now. Once you sign a band, it's 10 years really before they're going to finally break out. And, and unfortunately, these days, what we found a lot of times is that, because 
to go back to Carrie, when I was talking to him the other night, he said, hey, wh- why why aren't there any really great new bands coming up? And I said, well, part of the problem is that it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, these kids just don't want it as much as we did. Back in our day, or even you know, 15 yeah. years ago, people really wanted it as their life. They didn't care about anything. Their one goal was, you know, we're going to do this no matter what. But for whatever reason lately, it seems like, and not just us, it's, you know, basically every metal label you'll find a band it'll develop to a certain point and then it'll implode for one of a hundred reasons yeah and that gets frustrating because you know there's so many good bands out there really the only band of, of late that didn't implode was ghost you know yeah they probably didn't implode because the main guy in ghost wants this more than anything anything else so he's you know kind of made it happen for himself and, and for the band as well yeah but that's a big problem. So it, it makes us it, may, it makes me a little a little more tentative now about about signing stuff. But then I'll hear something that I absolutely love, and it's like fuck, you know, we got to do it. So I'm interested. I mean, do you think that is a you know is it is it a material is it a materialistic thing? Is it the fact that the you know that the the rewards don't appear to be there that there once were, or that they're not coming soon enough, or it, or is it just oh you know we a victim of of you know of that culture change of people wanting stuff but not actually wanting to work for it i think it's all of the above uh, it, it depends on the case but it, every one of those scenarios you mentioned happens yeah <coughs> so no well, well i know i mean i and i i see it a lot in i see a lot in comedy as well you know i mean i i um i MC a show which is um for for newbies who are trying out you know they're trying to get their first five minutes together or some will be more experienced than others and you know you'll get some people come down try out some stuff for tv and stuff like that and they you know they kind of get mixed in with it and and the newbies the, the one question they're always asking me is how can i get further up the comedy tree quicker you know they they want they want some some piece of advice something they're not doing right now you know is there a, is there like the secret club i can join is it a, a threshold of facebook likes etc and i always tell them the same thing which is if if you want to get somewhere quicker then you've just got to be really fucking funny you know yeah and you got to really you got to really want it and you got to yeah. you got to pay you know people just don't want to pay their pay their dues anymore yeah absolutely i mean i saw sam Kennison in front of eight people the first <laughs> night i ever saw him yeah. and he was unbelievably incredibly amazing and then i saw him in front of eight people about another five times yeah. before he got to 20 people and you know I've, a lot of people probably in that day go eh it's just not happening for me yada 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 and, you know people got to you know you, it's not easy it's not no. easy being a musician or a comedian or any, or, you know, anything, it, nothing's easy. Like, you know, I mean, it's easy to get a you know shitty job that you hate, but doing something you love, is not easy. And you're going to, and you're going to, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot to make, to make it happen. And just, yeah, for whatever reason that people don't want to sacrifice it or there's, you know, I'm, like I said, all the reasons you mentioned before are all, all things that happen. So. Yeah. It's just that there's, it, it, it kind of feels like, um, it, it kind of feels like that there is a people, Show, shows like um, the X Factor, which we have over here, or the Voice you have in the states, and I think you have you have like you know, there's Britain's Got Talent over here. All these various shows that have become popular have also fed into the psyche of many generations that there is the possibility that you don't actually have to work hard to crack this entertainment nut. You just need to yep. do a couple of good auditions. Yep, or yeah, or, or you know, you get bands all the time saying like, "Hey, we've been doing this for five years. How come we're not as big as the Black Dahlia Murder?" It's like, well, I mean, they've been doing it for 
three times as long as you have been. I mean, it's yeah, just it's, it's the, not, the way the way it is. It's not rocket science, is it? It's kind of like you know, well, like I said to these young comedians, you know, you've just got to be really fucking funny every fucking night and not give up. If you don't give up, you'll definitely achieve your goal. I can absolutely assure you of that. The exactly. Only- I mean, look, I'm testament to that because I, you know, I, I didn't intend to ever run a record label. I just did it for to help out bands and for fun and. Yeah. I did every single mistake possible. I, I did everything wrong the first three or four years of doing this. I probably should have given it up ten times, but I just was like, screw it. It's just you know I love what I'm doing and I want to do it. And, and eventually you figure it out, but it takes a long time and a lot of hardship and mistakes and everything else. And yeah, just you know maybe people just don't want to invest that that amount of time and effort. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because it, uh, it's like. <laughs> It, it seems to a certain extent that your philosophy hasn't changed because, like I said, you know, when I was asking about, like, Facebook likes and stuff, you know, a couple of your answers were like, well, we should be doing that, but we don't. And and it's kind of like, it, it's almost like that, you've still got that kind of frontier pioneer attitude of, well, do you know what? If we like the band, let's fucking sign them. Let's not go and count how many followers they've got on on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. That'll be our job to grow that. Let's just make sure we've got the like the right the the, the right organic seed, as it were, you know, and, and we can we can plant it, we can grow it from there. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what we've done for you know thirty five years now, so it, it kind of works. And and I think the most important part to any of these equations is if you have a, a talented artist, the other stuff you can make happen, like you. But yeah. you've got to have that talented artist yeah. or at least just something you love. And I mean, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Stuff that I love, everybody else doesn't love. But some, but sometimes everybody else does like it. So it does work out from, from time to time. But yeah, you just, you know, the, the most important thing still, I think, is the music. And everything else, everything else is important and you have to have those elements to, to be successful and all that sort of stuff. But still, it, the bottom line is the, is the, is the music. But it's interesting you say that as well, where you're saying, like, look, you've known they've got to have the talent. But as we've also just alluded to in, uh, it, you know, a couple of minutes before that, and this is, I mean, you know, the, the, the perfect kind of way to describe this is sports, which is it's not always the most talented that, that become the most successful because hard work beats talent every day yep. of the week. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you start with the talent, but then you've got to have all the other equations, hard work and exactly because, and your sports thing is exactly right. Cause I, you know, a huge, massive ice hockey fan. I'm in that world a little bit and you see, you know, I, I watch juniors and all these other stuff and you see these kids that have insane talent and then they never get to the next level. It's like, well, and you talk to people it, it, within the hockey world. They say, why is that? Well, wow, they got to work. I want to party too much. Or yeah. This and that. And, Inevitably, you're exactly right. There's a lot of people with a lot of talent out there, but you have to combine that with hard work and luck and everything else. Yeah, I, I used to play. I used to play football with a guy who played in goal for us. Well, actually, he didn't. He played in defence. And the reason he wouldn't play in goal is because when he was at school and his early college years, he was uh, number two to um, England's then goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> and and so he couldn't even play in the position anymore because. It, it it just had you know bad feelings about it, and he knew he'd blown it. He knew his you know he 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 had a chance and he'd ruined it, 
and and it was all of the above it was you know it was girls it was food it was drink it was it was a it was a you know well i want everything i want to be able to do that but i want everything else as well and not being prepared to you know to, to suffer to to basically say no do you know what i'm not coming out tonight you know um, yep. uh, and and it's 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 a tough thing to do you know, it's just a tough thing to do to say, well, now I'm going to stay in and work on something that may or may not pay off years down the line. Absolutely. And the same, same thing with musicians. You're just like, I get, you know, I got to go on tour. I got to sleep on people's floors. Yeah. <clears throat> just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's definitely that, that, um, it's, there definitely seems to be a kind of, well, this has now just become a, uh, a minimum wage job. You know there are, there are no rock stars anymore, and you know the the excess of the uh, of being one of those big successful bands seems to be rarer and rarer and rarer. And and I don't know, I I just wonder if that's had kind of like a, a knock on effect as well. That you know, ultimately there is there there is a, a a very materialistic side to this. Well, I think that's part of it. But I, you know, you mentioned something about you know no more rock stars and and that sort of stuff anymore, and. I just wonder because, you know, you've, you, the bar is set so high now. We, we've got, you know, whatever, 50 years now of rock stars starting in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, there's been so many rock stars and so many people you have to live up to. And, you know, it's like, like I said, the bar has been set so high. I mean, these guys, you know, are legendary people. I just don't know that you know, even if there's somebody that's charismatic or doing something crazy, whatever it is, it's like, you know, how do you – how do you outdo Jim Morrison or Axl Rose or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mick Jagger or whoever it is? You know, it's like, you know, I got to live up to that. Like, how, how am I ever going to become a rock star? And people's mentality is also looking at, at that to, to make it big. Because there's a lot of super talented guys out there who, who are rock stars. But, you know, I don't know. I think the perception is a little bit different now than it was before, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um and also that that life of excess, whereas whereas now it's like no straight to rehab, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Even before you can't, even, you, you you know, can't yeah, you, you you can be a rock star, but you got to be someone under control. <laughs> that maybe that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and you've got you've got yeah, because basically anybody who's got any kind of ownership of what you do is going to be intervening straight away and saying, nah, nah, no, you're you're going you're going for a. Uh, um, uh, arrest because of your nervous exhaustion that you've been suffering from. Yeah, but then again, you know, I mean, I, I consider Bruce Dickinson to be a rock star, and he's been pretty, you know, True. aside from the odd drink or, or two or three, you know, he's been been pretty good about that sort of stuff. So, True. You know, who, who knows? And also, managed to, uh, I, I'm always managed to kick cancer's ass as well, which is incredibly impressive. Um, yes, <clears throat> I mean, absolutely. I, I when I and the thing is, I, the story goes that he. He, he felt the lump and he did a Google and he saw, right, okay, so this could be serious, it might not be, and then just put it to one side and finished the record. You yeah, know? I mean, that that's not, not surprising. But this, the scary thing about the Bruce thing was, you know, they had to cut a piece of his tongue out to... to yeah. To, <clears throat> oh, to, oh to don't worry. This. I don't worry. I know where you're going with this, being a, being a vocalist myself, yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember talking to Smallwood, and by the way, this is the... If, like, you know... 18 year old self if my 18 year old self would believe that i'd be friends with rod small would actually email him about stuff now would blow my mind but anyway i was talking with rod i know what you mean i know what you mean how's bruce doing it you know what do you you know what's what do you think and i was like he's doing really well 
yada, yada, yada. But they were concerned about how he was going to sound. Yeah. Because you're missing a piece. Of, so you, you're missing a piece of your son that affects how your vocals are. As Absolutely. You probably yeah. So they, and I never really thought about this until he said that. I'm like, oh shit, that's right. So they were worried about, is he going to sound the same or how, how is that going to work out? And obviously it, it worked out fine, but that was a really interesting, interesting thing. And that's a tough thing for him to come over because I think, I think he had to kind of relearn how to sing just a little bit just so it didn't affect him. So yeah. it's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, I mean, yeah, it's it, like you say, it's um, uh, for somebody who's not particularly, you know, they, well, I, I guess your typical rock star. You don't think your typical rock star is somebody who's uh, who's once an international quality fencer and airline pilot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, and well, but, but that's kind of makes it even more rock starish, isn't it? I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. The pilot thing. I mean, that's insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, would, I think Bruce Dickinson is the textbook kind of like rock star without doing the dumb shit, basically. <laughs> You know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a quick. I'll tell you a quick story just about because I think this kind of shows his mentality about things and why he's been so successful at so many different things. So in night, I forget when it was, but when one of his solo records came out, it would have been early '90s, I guess. Yeah. So there's a uh, uh, convention in in the U.S. called CMJ, which is at, for a period of time was the biggest metal convention in the U.S. So I was moderating a panel, and you know these panels are a bunch of people on a panel. You, yeah. you pick a su- you, whatever the subject is, and blah blah blah. Yeah. So the panel that I that I was moderating had a bunch of people on it, industry people, and it had Lemmy and Bruce Dickinson. They always put two artists on there. Now the artists. Hang, hang never... on, hang, hang on, hang on. Let's just stop for a second, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know where I'm going, right? You just said about you know Rod Smallwood, and you could email him. You you moderating a panel. With Lemmy and and Bruce Dickinson on, how the fucking hell do you keep your head? Oh, trust me, I was insanely nervous. Well, I was I was nervous beforehand, especially with Lemmy, because you never know what he's going to show up like. Yes, but 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 those panels with because I've done a couple of them before with you know rock stars. So I mean, the, you know, at that point in time, I'd met enough people who didn't that st- sort of stuff didn't really bother me that much. I was more concerned about a if they're going to show up. And B, if they're going to show up in any manner to contribute to the panel at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so I walk in. So the moderator, you're supposed to meet up an hour before the panel starts, and the, you know, I, I as the moderator, got to be the first guy to get there. So I get there about an hour and five minutes before the panel, and who's sitting at the table already? Is Bruce Dickinson. Right. <laughs> what are you doing here? And he's like, you know, I want to learn. You know, I'm on this panel with all these people in the industry. And I'm, I have a record out, and I really want to learn about stuff. And, you know, so he was there an hour and five minutes before. I mean, right. Brought, I mean, like I said, no, no artist I've ever been on a panel with had ever been there that early. But he's like, he wanted to learn. He was really interested in the, in in what was going on, and you know, he he wanted his his thirst for knowledge was really impressive to me. And I I can see why like that's how I can be an airline pilot and a top yeah. fencer and a singer and a in one of the biggest bands ever and on and on and on. And so. also and also you you saw him when he was essentially if you think about it from a music point of view when he was with a, basically a, a a new startup business. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. He was, you know, out of maiden and had a, you know, solo record coming out and obviously it's his record so he kind of wanted to know what was going on. So he wanted to learn everything he could about what was happening, which I thought was incredible. We had a a phenomenal conversation before everybody else kind of showed up and they were all the same way like Bruce you're here already <laughs> oh wow so you just so you just got to sit and just hang with Bruce Dickinson for a while 
I've done that on quite a few occasions. I've been very oh, lucky enough get to out of here. I, get I out of here. <laughs> sorry. I interviewed I interviewed Bruce the first time they came first time he came to America with Maiden. Oh wow. On the Number of the Beast tour for I I I think the fa- I think my fanzine was still was in its just about to end, but it was still kind of happening. But anyway, I interviewed Bruce, and we literally talked for an hour, and 45 minutes of that hour was talking about Samson. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I bet, I bet that doesn't happen very often now. Um, well, in terms of people asking about Samson? Samson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah, probably not. No, that's 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 awesome, dude. You've done some really cool shit. You must. I mean, there must be t- there must be moments where you kind of, you you do sit back and you find occasionally you just kind of I call them horizon moments. You know those moments that once upon they once upon a time they were on the horizon, and if you're not careful, you miss them as you go through them. You know what I mean? Or you just have those moments where you go, "Wow, that's really something." Sure. I mean, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to to be in a business of mu- music that I love, and I've met all my heroes. I disagree, who... Brian. I disagree, Brian. I don't think you've been lucky. I think you have made your own luck. Well, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, maybe for that, but but in terms of just you know being able to 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 be friends with a lot of people that that you know were my, initially my heroes or even you know contemporaries and stuff that. You know, I've been able to, to maintain relationships with, with most almost every band that's been on the label and friendly with, and yeah, you know that sort of stuff is really great. Just you know the, the interpersonal actions with with all these people, and you know being able to go and like we saw, I was in, I saw Alice Cooper uh, two weeks ago, and you know, we when we were at Warner Brothers, we re- re- reissued a bunch of his records, and just such a nice guy. That sort of stuff, just you know, I'll talk to him for five minutes and go like. I just talked to Alice for like five minutes. He's telling it's just, that sort of stuff is still bizarre. <laughs> that is bizarre because that's like that's Alice Cooper. That's the guy. I mean, I still remember buying. I, I remember buying that original cardboard box of Muscle of Love. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in in like probably like the mid eighties, good few years after it was released, and just like take it home, totally excited and. Um and you know from the inside, welcome to my nightmare. I mean, uh, you know that's again. I was I was totally into my metal and into my thrash, but kind of at the same time, I got into you know Marillion got me into music full stop. So I so I I, I always kind of had that. I was also kind of not just a thrash kid. I was still interested in stuff like Alice Cooper and stuff like that. That was you know more melodic and and somehow more different and and kind of. More dangerous, but in a different kind of way to thrash. Oh, know? totally. Well, I mean, Cooper, when he was first out, was extremely dangerous. Oh, yeah, ever so slightly. Yeah, doing. To himself and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that sort of stuff is all crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, look, Brian, I've, I've, I've kept you chatting for, um, for an over an hour, and, um, and I, I just want to say I really, really appreciate you um, taking the time out to have a conversation with me. I really do. Yeah, man. No problem. It was fun. It was really cool. It was really cool. And next time you're in the UK, 
Um, definitely going to have to try and get you to an acid rain show. And if I'm in the if I'm in the states, we're gonna we'll drag you uh, drag you down to an acid rain show at some point. Uh, but, um, sounds good. Keep bugging me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I will. Don't you worry. Uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but, um, look, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, and you know, just continued success to you. And um, I hope to see you out there on the road sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Not at all. Thank you. Bye, man. Cheers, Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. Fucking awesome. And they had a little bit of me um, celebrating at the end of that, <laughs> allowing myself a little fucking awesome. Because it, it was. I mean, what a way, again, you know, like I said about sitting with sitting down with Xavier Russell, what a, what a way of um, being able to I- enjoy an evening, sitting and having a chat for an hour with... Um, you know, a, a legend like Brian, um, and he was—he was so cool as well. You heard of the interview at the beginning there. Um, we it, it, we didn't—we'd set it up, and then he thought he would be in a different place. So the time zones were a bit all over the place. And and because I messaged him and said like, you know, ready when you are, and he was like, oh right, okay, you. And 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 he said like, give me ten minutes, and whatever he was doing, he managed to just like sort out whatever he was doing in ten minutes, and then and sit down for an hour and have a chat with me, which is just like wow. How cool is that? Actually, it was, it was over now, I think. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, a big, big thanks to Brian. Um, and just awesome, you know, listening to him there, some of the some of the insights and really interesting, um, the stuff about Spotify and, and just about the business in, in, in general. Um, and, um, and just a really, really nice guy who's, again, just so enthusiastic and all that stuff about like Bruce Dickinson as well that was fascinating it, it's just you know it's it, it, was, it was a real honour I'm going to have a little drink hang on a sec mm. um, but yeah it was um, it was just water in case you were wondering it was just a really cool time uh, and, and I really really enjoyed um, uh, speaking to him and, and the fact that we as well hooked up purely over Twitter just I just tweeted him and said look you know please please come I kind of mentioned it a couple of times then let it go and then I can't remember what it was but I tweeted at him and said like you know please come on the show and then he just he just direct messaged me and said I'll come on the show like <laughs> that is so cool thank you very much um and there and there we and there we have it so um I hope you'll um hope you'll enjoy that um if you didn't then um you know <laughs> what do you want me to do about it um I must admit, I, I did have, um, I did recently have some um, uh, a couple of messages, and I, it, basically people saying like very very nicely saying, keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep keep speaking your mind, keep ranting, whatever, and all the rest of it, um, and um, and I just wanted to explain that I, I I will keep doing that until we get any kind of level of success, and then um, I'll start shutting my mouth, <laughs> uh, because basically I am, I am. Um, I'm under the radar, yeah. I'm, I'm. If I, if I, if we were like, you know, if I was actually kind of successful, um, I might have to curb my mouth a bit. Um, but as it is, the 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 lack of success and of serious success. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be completely um, self-deprecating here, but it's yeah, everything's relative. But you know, in 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 the actual kind of like you know, um, scale of one to ten success. Um, yeah, I, I, I can keep doing this because I don't have to worry about pissing people off. I don't have to worry because basically, you know, there, there, there's no kind of 
you know, big earning relationships that I'm going to ruin by saying anything. But the minute you achieve any kind of success, it means you start having to watch what you say. So, um, so yeah, if, if we manage to keep the success down, um, this thing will still be going, all right? Um, so, John Karabi, um, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, former um, vocalist of Motley Crue for one album. Um, yeah, this 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 uh, this week or this month came up and supported Motley Crue in their use of backing tapes, saying that you know the way I look at it, man, is um, obviously don't know how he speaks, but um, let, let's say uh, let's let's make him uh, let's make him a Geordie. Well, the way I see it, Lake, is did you go and see Motley Crue, Lake? Did you have a good time? Did you enjoy yourself, Lake? Yeah, did. Well, there you go. Different matter about backing tips, like, does it? We I. Oh, I don't know how many northeastern. Um... <laughs> so anyway, right, that, that's that's John uh, John Karabi, or uh, if he was a Geordie, John Karabi Lake, isn't it, eh? Um, and uh, and that's basically what he said. In case I need to uh, reinterpret that for anybody outside the UK, what he was basically saying was, "Well, that it doesn't matter. Did you have a good time? Yes, you did. Then that's all that matters." No, it fucking isn't. There's a little word called integrity. I know that's not a word that anybody who's ever been in the Motley Crew camp would have anything to fucking do with. Okay, but okay, yeah. Due respect to Nikki Six um, saying about YouTube and all that. Yeah, fine. That's not integrity. That's wanting to find. That's what. That's chasing the money that he thinks they owe him. Um, and that's a man with the amount already with a serious amount of money to be able to do that. I'm not criticising for being successful, but anyway, moving on. Um, no, it isn't integrity. If you're playing live, you're playing live. If you're miming, you're miming. If you're doing the two together, you need to be telling people. I'm sorry, but it should be a legal requirement that on tickets or in emails or on advertising that um, backing tapes are used in certain parts of the show. Simple as that. Simple as that. Um, so what else have I been doing? Well, um, I know a lot of you listen to the Jamie Jaster podcast out there. And um, so I thought I'd give it a whirl. And, and initially, I, was, I, I found myself struggling with it. There's, a, there's a, just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Season of the Mist records. And going to, and i got to thank my man, the Monster, tr- Monster, <laughs> Monster Truck, good band, not, not a sponsor. <coughs> um, Monster, em- Monster Energy Drink and check us out here and go to go to Hate Breed. Um, um, Oh, what is it? Uh, you know, meetandgreet.com or whatever it is, a VIP and do those. And look, I, I'm I'm not criticising the guy for doing that because it's his, it's his podcast and um, it's his band and he, you know, that's, that's you'd be stupid not to use for something like that. And let's face it, who has acid rain at the beginning of every fucking podcast he's ever done? Me. Who regularly does acid rain special podcasts? Me. Okay, I don't do a lot of advertising for... So that's my advertising for Acid Rain. So, yeah. So, look, I'm not having a go, but it, it just... Uh, but then, I, you know, so I've started skipping a fair bit of it, but... um, uh, And, and I, I kind of like... I kind of like his interviews. I kind of like his interview style as a... Uh, you know, I, and I, I'm not... I, I, I would say I would... Uh, not a massive fan, um, but but a fan, I think. I'm getting there. And there's been been some really cool ones. I must admit, the last uh, the last one I heard was the one he did with Kurt Ballou, which was which was excellent. But the one that really blew me away, um, I was um, I was driving up north um, to do a gig, to do a comedy gig um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I listened to the podcast that he did with David Draymond. Yes, he that I like to have a fucking go at. Um, the uh, the fat ball vampire and um, uh, and you know what I was driving along and I was listening to Draymond and he was talking about the music industry and and Spotify and streaming and I was thinking 
This guy's making a fucking hell of a lot of sense. He is really making a hell of a lot of sense. And then they started talking about this episode where he slapped a, a mobile phone out of somebody's hand. And he was like, "Look, you know, looking back on it, I wish I hadn't done it. It was a stupid thing to do. And But it, it, it was interesting because it, you know, it, he, he found out what a lot of people who don't do comedy um, found out, which is you can do something in the spirit of comedy and for a laugh. But that doesn't mean that everyone's going to see it that way. And um, but it was really it was really interesting, and he was very 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 eloquent in his description of what happened and why it happened and how he wished he hadn't done it, and he was out of order, and he'd apologised to the woman, and he still feel bad, he still feels bad about it, and it was, but it was it wasn't like you know it wasn't like he was taking that on um, as a kind of uh, as a kind of public persona. It was it was just really it was really cool, it was really heartfelt, and and then you know he was he was um, just talking about you know the, the the business of music in general. Then he was talking about songwriting, and when he was talking about songwriting, I was finding myself driving along, absolutely nodding my head along. Honestly, he was absolutely right talking about how because uh, we're in the midst of songwriting writing at the moment and I'm like tomorrow we're going to be playing through a song together for the first time ever, and and. And then you work on it, and and Draymond was talking about how a song is 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 almost like a has a life of its own. It's almost organic, and you um you know you listen to what the song needs, and it's all about the song. And he's absolutely right. And I was I absolutely amazed. So I really recommend that that um, episode uh, uh, on top of any others. And who would have thought it? Um, but again, you've got to be open minded. You know, I downloaded. I didn't download ju- that that episode thinking, oh yeah, that'll give me more ammunition for that dickhead. I genuinely thought, well, oh, this would be interesting. I was a fan of disturbed in the beginning um I, i'm funnily enough i've just looked straight across at my cd stack and um and there is um the dis- the disturbed the sickness is the disturbed disturbed the sickness is over there and a great album loved it i went to see him on that tour supported by mushroom head in a venue that is no longer in existence at the la2 in london so um so anyway, yeah, it was it, it was it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, you know, sorry to be all positive on you people, um, but moving right along, uh, the new King Eight One O album or K- uh, King Eight One Zero album is out. And um, if this guy's dickhead metal posturing couldn't get any more after he, after the first album. Honestly, straight away, the first song, it's not even a song, basically, it's noises with him talking over it. And straight away, he's just in, giving it the old, yeah, my life's been so hard, I've seen things you could never see, I've seen people killed, I've, I, if you had my memories, you'd fucking kill yourself. If you, when you shut your eyes at night, you, you, you don't see what I see, and my life's been fucking, I can't keep myself... <coughs> And basically, oh, you know, my life's been hell, and I've, you know, I've, I've had guns to the temple, and oh, guns, guns, face, face, tattoos, torture, guns, gangs, gangs, people dead, friends, cars crashed, gangster, gangsters, oh, scary, guns, knives, stabbed, scars, wounds, oh, err, I'm hard, you're not, I've seen things, you haven't, it's just, fuck off, mate, just seriously, fuck off, not interested, not interested at all, you knob. Of course, I won't be saying that. Should I ever run into him? He looks fucking bastard hard. <laughs> he really does. Anyway, look, that's enough for me. Let's have some music. Ooh, changing it up on Isaiah Howard. Yeah, I am. Um, because I'm going to now play a track called Be Very Afraid. This is the... Um, 
This is the single, um, or the latest single, from the new Monty Pitnam, uh, Pitnam? <laughs> Pitman album, okay, called Inverted Grasp of Balance. That's the interview that's coming up. So I wanted you all to have a little listen before, um, before we had a chat. Makes sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. So this is Inverted, so it's not Inverted Grasp of Balance, you fucking idiot. This is Be Very Afraid. Actually, it's not. I'm going to play that um, on the way out of the podcast. Um, instead, this is Pride Comes Before a Fall. <laughs>
Oh. Hello there. Howard, finally. How are you doing, man? (laughs) I'm really well. How are you? Uh, Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, Just uh, keeping busy and tending to the fire, as I like to say. (laughs) Busy? Dude, when are you not busy? I mean, you've got to be the only one in music history who can claim to have done back-to-back tours with Madonna and Ministry. Oh, well... When ministry first was going to take off, then I had to go back to the bar. So, oh, let me get some more thing. Is that better? Uh, uh, yeah, let I think. Me, let me talk about, yeah, I it was, service has been weird. I think because I have an album coming out and I'm doing interviews, service is weird at my house. It's not, <laughs> but it's been it's been really classy lately, which is rare, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But, right. Okay. I'm uh, trying. Tra- <laughs> tra- one second. Let me, like All right. Three seconds. Hang on. Yeah, cool. Okay, so can you hear me better now? Um, that that is better. It was great. Wherever you were when you first answered the phone was 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 great. Okay. All right. I'll go back there. Right. <laughs> this, the the, uh, the the fun of Skype. Yeah, that's the good the good part. Of, you know, it's great and you can talk with people all over the world. That thing is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know. I'm 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 old enough to remember when if you wanted to speak to somebody in anyone other than your country, the only option was phone, and it cost a fucking fortune. Yeah, I, you know I say that with people like you know, even uh, like with being on tour and being on the road. At least it's not, you know, how it was back in the day when you hear about tour managers getting uh, bags of quarters. Yeah, and you, everybody stops at a payphone and. Um, oh man! I've, How's everything with acid rain? <laughs> oh, good lord! That's a that's a. <laughs> you've turned the interview round. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's um, it's good, thanks. You you you've obviously um uh, you've obviously had uh, uh, a little bit of a a preview into who's going to be calling you then. Yes. Yeah, I did, and I was like, no way! That's awesome. So cool, man. Oh right, so you'd heard of us then? Oh, absolutely. Oh, cool, man. Well, um, yeah, no, it's 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 great to be back. To be honest, it's been you know I only had twenty five years off, um, <laughs> and um, uh, and and I, I've spent uh, kind of seventeen of those doing stand up comedy. Um, no way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so so it's kind of strange because I'm a you know everybody sees me as a music guy, but I've spent uh, you know I've spent uh, you know just as long, if not longer, in the comedy world. How uh, long do you have to rehearse to do like a stand-up show? Because I've heard that that takes just like so much uh, rehearsal and trying. Yeah, trying out material. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, it's it's it's. Well, I mean, I still have some gags in my act that are you know uh, at, at least. Oh God, probably coming up twenty years old. Um, which I can never, which they're, they're, they're like the undroppables, you know what I mean? Like you have an undroppable song in your set. So, you know, I have, I have my ace of spades <laughs> as it were, but yeah. yeah okay. It, of course. It, yeah. But it, it, the thing is, it's like, it's like anything else, like any other form of performance art It is that, um, how do you get good confidence? how do you get confident being good? how do you get good? Co- you know, and it's just that it's that. You know, it's that real kind of um, vicious circle when it comes to performance, which is, you know, confidence is the one thing you need, but you can't you can't have confidence without 
you know, being good as it were, unless you're completely self-deluded. So, um, yeah, it's um, it, it's fun. It, it's it's real fun. In fact, I'm I'm running out and doing a show tonight when I finish talking to you. Um, because that's the other thing with stand-up as well is oh, that, okay. you know oh, it's I'll like you know you know it's like you get a phone call. Oh no, keep me as long as you like. Um, but I uh, I got a phone call like you know yesterday saying can you you know can you come down tomorrow night? It's like yeah no problem. It's like that's the awesome. Piece. Exactly, that's what I love about stand-up. As opposed to, hang on, I'll just ring four other guys and we'll book a bus. And uh, you know, there's none of that. It's just like, yep, I'll be there. So you know, I like that. I like the uh, the nomadic kind of uh, existence as well. It's great because you can just be doing anything anytime. But um, awesome. Awesome. so yeah, yeah, very much so. But anyway, look, wow, you are yeah, like we said uh, initially, there you are a seriously busy guy. Yeah, you, you gotta be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's no time to rest. No time to stop and smell the roses. No, not at all. I mean, it, it's uh, but uh, I mean, you. It's, it's funny. You, you've you've kind of it, it's it's great to have you on here finally because. Um, You've uh, you've received honourable mentions um, in the past. Um, I sat down with uh, Tommy Victor, um, oh, a good kind of eighteen months ago. Um, Awesome. It might have been eighteen two years ago. Well, I I think um, actually this will date it perfectly because I think it was when um, I think it's when the Power of Three had just come out. Because I, because I asked, okay. yeah, because I asked Tommy if he'd heard it, which he hadn't at that time. Because I'd, um, I, I think I, I, I kind of came across before the morning sun. I don't know how, um, and I, and I loved that tune, and and so sort of went out, got the CD of the album, and then I ended up sitting down with Tommy. And um, the this podcast is going to come out next week, and there's two interviews on it. One's going to be you, and the other one is Brian Slagle. No way! Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah, it's here and, you know, uh, especially, especially seeing as you have, you have a new album out as well, which is, uh, which is awesome and fucking incredible bunch of musicians you've got on there. Yeah. Thank Yeah. It's out tomorrow. And Richard Christie played drums, Billy Sheehan played bass and, uh, I played guitar and sang. And then the songs Billy didn't play on, I played on. Wow. Now, I was going to try to have uh, a, you know, a few different musicians. I was going to maybe have like a couple different drummers, a couple different bass players, but no one else's schedule, because uh, yeah. the schedules didn't work out. And, it, and yeah. um, So I, I was I asked Richard, I was like, do you want to just do the whole album? And he's like, yeah, man. Because I loved what he did. Yes. And, you know, because I, I made demos, and then I said... You know, like here's the song, but you know, just kind of play something like that. You know, if that's the beat, if you like that beat, go for it. But if you think that the, it should be faster or whatever, if you think there should be a bunch of fills, then, then go for it. You know, I want it to sound like a drummer. Yeah. You know, and you need that to bring it to life. But here's kind of my idea. Yeah. No. And, I, I, and, I, and, I, you know, sorry, I was going to say I know what you mean with demos, as in it's like when you're not a drummer, you put you put the beat that you could imagine in your head, but. You you want a you want a drummer so could sort of take that and run with it. Yes, yes, and, and then there are certain par- parts that uh, go with the riffs, so it has to be that way. You know, yes. like certain staccato parts and all that. Uh, yeah, and very then, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Billy, um, you know, and I was ex- I wanted to give Billy the heaviest songs or the most difficult songs. You know, just <laughs> yeah, to see what he would do. 
and uh, and then also the song California, which is a fairly simple song actually. And uh, but I wanted him to just go nuts on the bass for the beginning of it, and then uh, then 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 him you know start the song off. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, the, you've got the, the 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 most recent single, which is which I'll probably like cue up this interview by playing the song first. Um, is be very afraid. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one that um, a lot of people have liked the most, and that was one I wasn't even sure if I was going to put it on the album because uh, I thought maybe right. it was kind of long. But anytime you have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and a bridge, and then if you go back to a third verse, you're going to have a long song. That's yeah. why I left it kind of at the end of the album too. And it's funny how that one kind of came back, and people really liked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I used to live in this house, and people used to say, "Yeah, people say they saw things like the, the shadows that looked like heat." And I was like, "That's so weird." I said, "When I was a little kid, you know, my my mom's aunt lived in Tennessee, and we went somewhere, and I felt like, you know, they in my they said there was this haunted house out behind where she lived, and I don't know if it's my imagination now or what, you know." Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I said it looks like these shadows, and they're—they look like heat. It looks like you know when it, when a road is really hot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then what, that tripped me out that someone said that about the house I lived in. But I, it wasn't anything scary. I felt more like it was something protective. Yeah. And, and then also, I was writing things kind of about—I um, kind of compared it that to the you know over here there was the housing market crisis you know so many years a few years ago or more than a few years ago now yeah um and kind of comparing things like that you know i like to try to take something that everybody can relate to because i try i always try to make my lyrics where they could mean several things i, I, yeah. not, I wouldn't be very good at saying like okay this song is just about mowing mowing the grass or cutting your lawn yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. i would take that and try to make those as metaphors as, as how you would well, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, know, compare that to life. But that's the but that's the nature, isn't it, of of uh, of lyrics? You want people to be able to interpret them, to make them their own. Because ultimately, even if you do write a song that is called "Mowing the Lawn" and you just write it about mowing the lawn, <laughs> right? You can guarantee that you'll play some shows and people will come up and go, "Yeah, that song's not about mowing the lawn, is it?" You know, they, they, they'll have found their interpretation within that. It's like, ah, oh, well, he's actually talking about cutting the grass. Yeah. And that some grass is taller than other grass. So what he's talking about is making all the grass the same level. So uh, it's maybe I, so, yeah. you know. I, yeah, I just picked the most random thing uh, <laughs> yeah, I can think of to say mowing it. But, and again, you could get, you could say the grass is greener on the other side. And that, that's you it. start I'm, throwing things like that. Oh. <laughs> this, I'm going to have to write a song like this now. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, dude, if you ever make it over to the UK, we've got to sit down in one afternoon, we've got to write a song about mowing the lawn. Absolutely. <laughs> Smoking the grass, yeah. smoke coming from the grass. Absolutely. Yeah, this, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're yep. ro absolutely running wild with the metaphor now. Yeah, my guitar teacher used to give us uh, writing exercises. And that's where that started. You know, that's kind of when I first started playing on my own because I had a band. And so, you know, we all we wrote collaboratively. And then when I was going to start playing out on my own at the same time, you know, he was like, you know, okay, he gave everybody a subject. And like mine was one time, uh, one week it was a stapler. So I got to write a song about this, a stapler. Right. And, um, you know, and how that could, you know, 
you know, uh, stapling, piercing the skin, or, or something, piercing the, you know, those sort of And um, one was about like a coat tree that like you put coats on. That's the first one, and I just wrote this stupid song. He's like, you're not understanding what I'm <laughs> So anyway, I, I like trying like different writing exercises. No, that's well, that's cool, man. That's cool. And speaking of um, speaking of you know be, being over the UK or whatever, what um, you know, oh. what are your plans to tour? Oh, oh, we've got that horrible. Yeah, we're working on getting a booking agent now. That that's the next. It's all gone a bit foggy. Uh. I mean, I was out with Madonna for. I mean, I, I had not here from February until the end of March this year, and then this where I'm home on. A, like I got home Sunday, let's say, and then so then Monday. Right. Well, I got home Monday, right? And then Tuesday, I went and got a car. And then Wednesday, I went in the studio and started recording vocals for this album. I didn't want to take any time off. I didn't want to, like, go on vacation for a couple of weeks and, and rest and then start working. Yeah. I wanted to keep that momentum of being on tour for so long and working so hard. I wanted to keep that momentum up. Was was part of that, keeping that momentum up, is that also part, was part of that kind of, like... Um, kind of denying yourself the um the comforts of home to keep you hungry no i think it's just uh really you know onto that work ethic we have especially at yeah. the end of this tour because it, it, we worked probably harder at the end of this tour than we did putting the tour together because you know we did a promo tour and then we did um we, we started at, at for me, at the beginning of May, when you said when you say we, we, could you just clear that up a bit? Because there was a dropout in on Skype. Oh, sorry. When I say we, uh, I, I mean uh, for Madonna rehearsals, we, everybody involved. Right. Okay. Right. You know, and we like the whole, you know, yeah, band, dancers, yeah. her management, yeah, you know, er, er, the crew, everybody, the whole, um, the whole kitten caboodle from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, there you go. Um, from the beginning of May to the beginning of September, and you, you know half of that is putting together the set list. Right. You, take, you take kind of like what is it, three steps forward, two steps back, or whatever this thing is. Yeah. Because you, you know you get like through one section, and you go, oh wait, you know this song would go better as the second song. Now let's do that, and then like okay, well now we need to add to this because everybody's going to need time to get off the stage. Yeah. Or or it, it's too much time and we need to cut it or, you know, one of those things. It's, so it's, we rehearsed it, for that. But at the end of this tour, we did a, um, a, a club show and it was mainly like kind of the acoustic kind of stuff. It was kind of like an acoustic show in a way. Right. And she called it the Tears of the Clown Show. She dressed like a clown and told these, you know, <laughs> told jokes or whatever. <laughs> um, and then we did of her kind of mellow stuff and kind of a, lot, a, a lot of deep cuts and did them like the album. Yeah. And her fans are going nuts. But th- there was a lot of rehearsal that went into that because you think like, okay, the end of the tour, we're in Australia, we're going to like take a break. And it was uh, it was a lot of work. But I wanted to keep that work ethic going into make, to finishing up this new album. 
Well, that's uh, that, it's, that's really interesting as well because it's like you know most people uh, like if they're in bands listening to this or or, or know of bands going to see them, it's like you write a set list and it's basically well, what songs do you want to play in what order? That'd be good at the beginning. That'd be good in the middle. That'd be good in the end. Fill the rest in. Yeah, great. Okay, we're off. You know, but when you know for something like a Madonna show, as you said, there's so many logistics that you've got to think of, and such a deep catalogue as well. It's that yeah, so it's, all the way. Yeah, all the way down to a lot of it is, is themes, like lyric themes. Yeah, and and that's kind of why some this you know when people say, "How come you never play this song? How come you never play this song?" It's it's like where is that going to fit in the middle of the story? You know, and, but it also comes down all the way to what's the last chord of this song, and does that fit? You know, does that make musical sense to go to the first chord of the next song? Yeah. You know, you can say, well, this chord is setting it, you know, this chord is on, this song ends on this chord and that's setting up the, you know, chord of the next song or whatever. So that has, you know, that that's even taken into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been, you've been working with Madonna for years now, haven't you? So, I mean, I, 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 I presume you're, um, uh, you're, you're quite a collaborator when it comes to, to the putting together of that set. It's, yeah, it's 16 years now which is crazy to think about i mean that's 1970 to 1986 (laughs) (laughs) i love i love the way you think i love the way you think yeah that was that's that's me going from zero to 16 wow yes that's being able to that's being born and being able to drive which is a trip i mean i wish we toured every year consecutively but there's always some sort of work every year there's either a tour or there could be one-off shows, or there's something in the studio, or there's writing, or there's there's been a little bit of everything. Yeah, at some point or another. And and that's what I wanted to. Uh, that, that that leads us nicely. Thank you very much for the segue uh-huh. in, into uh-huh. you're a pro um, into the fact that you know looking at your career as an outside looking in, uh, you are you are very much a kind of you, you're not you're not. Um, uh, you're not a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know. You're, you're not this this like this metal guy who's sold his soul to do the Madonna thing. You're very much a kind of musical chameleon, or as that's that's how it appears as an outsider looking in, because it, it, you wow. know you've dipped into so many different things, and it's to me it seems like you are one of the few bona fide, genuine kind of musicians musicians as in somebody who can turn their hand to all of these different things and be authentic and genuine what in doing them it's just that one of those things that you could authentically and genuinely pull off is is metal wow that that means a lot that thank you for saying that not at all i appreciate that um wow um yeah i mean i you know i started out playing metal and that's always been my um my favorite type of music. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that, it kind of goes back and forth because I did like that. And then I started, and then I got my first guitar, but then when I, f- uh, would start, pl- you know, playing, you know, I, I, I'm seeing it different from learning how to play guitar. And so I've been to different things because of that. But, uh, now, you know, going back to my guitar teacher, his name's Robert Browning. And, um, and he, he still teaches, you know, where I grew up in Longview, Texas, and, um, you know, he would push all kinds of things on me, you know, because you, you can't, it's better to explain music theory sometimes through jazz or something like that th- than 
just than an ACDC song, you know? Yeah. They both, they both have their purpose, but ACDC is going to be so many chords. You know, it's just an example because that's absolutely genius, you know, but then the, you know, they don't play a lot of minor six chords or seven suspended fourth chords, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, well, um, I, I say yeah, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm a vocalist, aren't I? So I'm just, you know, oh, they, they may, oh, they may. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'll cool. start, to, I'll start talking about crazy music nonsense, and people are like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, 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 but it's no, but it, it's cool. It's cool. It's you know, it's like like it says as a vocalist, you know, all I all all I know is you know just shouting basically. <laughs> um, so I mean, sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm figure it out. So. <laughs> no, but it's but you know, but it's cool because, like I said, you know, it, it it's. Um, I mean, funnily enough, another guy that uh, that you know, I, I would say is, it hasn't. Well, it has had again a, a broad experience as a guy that you brought onto the album, which is um, Alex Skolnick, who who plays a couple of tunes or well, who, who lays some stuff down for you on there. Um, and, um, and yeah, on, on the Power of Three, yeah, he he did a solo on the song "All Is Fair in Love and War." Yes. And uh, well, there's five solos on there. I was, and that's another thing. I was going to have a bunch of different guitar players that I was friends with to do solos. And then Fleming Rasmussen recorded that album. He's like, "All right, well, I want you to at least do something for now, just in case." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So, and then I did it. And then no one else, you know, another thing, no one schedule. It just didn't make any sense. So then I just had Alex on there, and I felt kind of bad because I'd already told Alex, like, "Hey, I'm going to get all these different people." He was like really cool about it, and um, and uh, but I was like, hey, you're the only solo out of like five, and uh, but I'll but I'll put it's like what time because it's a 13 minute long song. I put it all on there. You're like, why'd you put all that information? I was like, I don't know, in case anyone was curious. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you can yeah. definitely tell the difference of me and Alex playing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that's like. <laughs> Well, that, well, all of a sudden it got really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's you being self-deprecating there. Um, and what? So also, when it comes to when it comes to singing, how do you how do you approach that? Because that, like, taking on the lead vocal is, um, you know, that's, that's that's a ballsy move. You could have easily uh, palmed that off to somebody else, but you know, you, you've it's obviously is it something you've always wanted to do? I did, you know, when I, when I had going back to when I had my band in Texas, I did some backing vocals, but it was kind of screaming, and I was screaming, and it hurt my my throat. And then my friends who were singers tried to explain it to me, and I just didn't understand. And I'm like, I can't sing. And I think a lot of it had to do with the climate there, because there's a lot of pollen. I had a lot of allergy problems when I lived in Texas. Right. And. Because um, it's in East Texas, and there's the, all the pine trees and all that, a lot of pollen, and and I just thought I couldn't sing, and um, then you know I, when I moved to LA, you know I, I would go back and forth between playing with Madonna and playing with Prong. You know, it just so worked out perfectly for a while, for, yeah. for a good part of the decade, and. Then I, I started a band. I wanted to start a band. I was like, that's why I moved to L.A. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I, I was open for anything. And I wanted to play with people. 
And um, I mean, when I first moved to LA, I called every number in the classified ads and the recycler looking for, you know, people looking for guitar players. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> like, where are you from? I'm like, I just got here from Texas. And they're like, okay, click. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that, that's that musician snobbery right there, isn't it? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. And. Um, and so I started a band with this singer who uh, had never played in a band before named Adam Lambert. Oh, really? And, <laughs> and Tommy Victor was the bass player. And Steve Sedelnik, uh, who's from over there, he, he was Madonna's drummer at the time. He plays for Richard Ashcroft. And uh, um, he's like one of the only guys that, that played at Live Eight, Live uh, Aid and Live Earth. Wow. Uh, amazing drummer. Yeah, and he was our he was our drummer. So it was me, Adam, Tommy, and Steve, and so we would play. And like I would, you know, I would write the songs, book the gigs, and then Adam was in a play called Wicked, and and it was like I would set everything up, and then me and Adam would be talking, and he would take a cab, you know, to the club. Yeah, and I, I booked our first shows at the the Cat Club, which isn't there anymore, but that used to be the London Fog. <laughs> and that's where the Doors played their first show. It's right next to the Whiskey. Wow! And that's why I wanted us. I was like, "Hey, if it's good enough for the Doors, it'd be good enough for us. Let's play our first shows there." So then we would play, and like you know, Adam would like just have to you know pull up outside and then come on stage. You know, like right when he walked in the door, and we would play. You know, you don't have much of a sound check and all that. Yeah. And then I left. Me and Steve left to go on tour with. Uh, Madonna, and then Tommy left to go on tour with either Ministry or Danzig. Yeah, and so then Adam tried out for American Idol, and then that's you know the rest is history with that. So so much for that band, and um, so then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I want to play. I guess I'm going to have to be the singer. And so then I, I put out an acoustic album, just acoustic guitar and vocals, and I started playing that way. And it also became difficult to get everybody in the same you know, room, much less if we, if we were in, even in the same city. And so I started playing that way, and I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And um, that was scary, you know, playing with just an acoustic guitar going direct. If you're sitting at home in front of your fireplace with a nice cup of coffee or a nice glass of wine or something, that's one thing. But, you know, on a stage when you can't really hear yourself that well and you don't know how people are perceiving it and people want to drink and party and all that, and you're playing these, uh, these weird acoustic songs that are all about like this weird astrology and uh they're all in these open tunings and it was so nerve-wracking i can imagine yeah but but then again you know uh every, every show was a different learning experience and then the second album was uh, i used kickstarter for that and i raised 65 grand wow and so i was able to you know get a drummer and i played bass on it uh, and it was kind of a hybrid album because I didn't know where things were going to go. If that was the case, but I also wanted to be able to play it with a band if that was the case. Yeah. And, and as I got better and better shows and like you know you know a longer set list and more people would come out, I was like, okay, I can't just play acoustic guitar for forty five minutes. You know, people are going to get bored. And so I would take my electric and then we would just kind of jam. And I'd pick up the electric and just sort of like jam and solo over it and shred over it. And then people started saying, like, that's what we want to hear. That's what you need to be doing. Uh, so I'm right. like, okay. So I took that, and I, and that's how I made uh, the second album, Pain, Love, and Destiny. And I started taking vocal lessons for that. So that's when I first started kind of understanding how it worked, I think. 
And then I made The Power of Three, and then that was making a heavy album just because I was going to be working with Fleming Rasmussen. Yeah. And I gave him all of my songs that I was writing, and he said, look, I want to record this heavy stuff you got. And I was like, well, I already did that. You know, I played with Prong, and I mean, what am I going to go and like be a heavy guy now? And and uh, um, he goes, hey, well, I've done it too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and he's like, well, this is what you're really good at. And so... Um, and so we made a heavy album. That's what got me signed to Metal Blade after I played what we recorded for Brian Slagle. Yeah. And uh, and then so now that brings us to the new album where, you know, when I was writing it, this is the first album that I've had a record label and management and, and all and all these this group of people that I trust and I can turn to and I have their guidance. Yeah. And um, and not someone just because people will tell you things that they think is the right right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but but having, you know, Brian can say to me, like, well, you know, when I signed Slayer, here's what I was thinking. And I'll be like, OK, yeah, whatever <laughs> you told them, like, <laughs> yeah, just give me that same advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> whatever worked for them, I'll just do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having all of those people on board um, and, and also when I got signed to the label, I would. I was just listening to metal blade bands because I was I wanted to familiarize myself with with uh, all the bands that were going to be label mates, you know. Yeah. Like Whitechapel and Amonomarth, Behemoth, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, uh, Ghost first album, uh, just to name a few. Yeah. And and so I was listening to that a lot, and that was coming out in my writing. You know, and, and I was like, you know, if I'm going to be on Metal Blade, then I'm going to be on Metal Blade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when people say, what's your next album going to be like? I said, it's going to be very Metal Blade. <laughs> 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 it's going to sound like, oh, did Metal Blade put that out? Um, and uh, and so that's how all that came about. And I, but, but to wrap up my this long answer, sorry about that. No, it's awesome. But, uh, it's I started great. taking vocals from Ron Anderson on this um for this album. Yeah. And that's the guy that taught Chris Cornell and Axl Rose. Oh, right. Pavarotti. So you've, so <laughs> hang on. So you've, so really you've, you've made s- me understand what I was doing. Because so I am, yeah. I will always be learning and trying to figure it out with singing. Singing is, is not, I, I always sang like I was talking and it's a completely different way of breathing. Yeah. Use different muscles. It's a completely different instrument. Yeah. And it's absolutely, like playing yeah. an instrument in your body. Yep. And you have to, or just, just like if you were learning how to play guitar, and I said, okay, you put your fingers on these frets and you play this, you can understand it, but you still have to do it a lot to where it becomes second nature to you. It's it, well, it's also it's also um, quite intangible because it, it's like it, it, it's especially I was a, a friend of mine's a producer and we were talking about it and I was saying like, how do you handle? Because because people people uh, you know think of singers and I'm, I'm not I'm you know I'm not trying to play the woe is me plight here but people think uh, of singers as being like you know this ego on legs and all the rest of it and you know if you criticise them they can't you know they can't handle it and 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 he was saying well it, it it's really weird no it's really weird because when you deal with a yeah no way surely not um, I've when, never heard anyone say that yeah, yeah not at all ever yeah that's right <laughs> LSD lead singer's disease it's LSD. Um, uh, it's it, it, and he said, "Well, the thing is, is when you, when you've got a singer in a booth, if they've just done something and things like what what you're critiquing is not something they've played. It's something it's something they've done. 
you know, it's actually, it's, it's a noise they make with their body. It's connected to probably some heartfelt lyrics that they've written. So when you critique a singer, they, it's very difficult for them to not take it as you're basically critiquing them as a person. You know, it, it's it's this like this deeply um, different thing to when you're saying to somebody, well, you know, you're slightly out of time there. Yeah, no, that's you know, you've uh, no, you, you've 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 done that wrong. You know, there's it's it's just slightly more intangible than something as simple, uh, well, not as simple, but something like right, okay, you see that there, yeah, yeah, you, you, you can't do that. You're going over the beat. It's because sometimes with vocals, it will it will work. It might be wrong, but it works. Am I explaining myself at all? Yeah, and, and I, I, you know what, I totally understand what you're saying from me having to be the singer <laughs> because there's right. times I am a little off time when I'm singing, but I, and I, I like it. I, I couldn't. Mm. It's like you couldn't put yourself in time if you if you tried, and it, a lot of it has to do with your breathing. Yes, it's like you're in time, but also the time that it takes to take that breath. It kind of helps you lay back a little or push forward there yeah. i mean there have been guitar players who've been just masters at that steve ray vaughn was one of them of playing just kind of what they say behind the beat of, yeah. you know really well it's like it's almost lagging in a way sometimes well also i think i mean i know i know there's like there's takes i've done back in the day where where you know it crosses it, it you you cross over the beat you go out of time and then you slip back in it but because it's like a invariably that's happened because there's a particular emotion being expressed there that is really extreme whether it's extreme sadness happiness anger whatever usually anger let's face it it's metal um and True. and because of the delivery of the performance you you know this is back in the day where you don't want to go back and do it again because you'd lose a certain something oh know? yeah yeah you know, whereas now, of course, you would just kind of slightly tidy up and it would magically be in time. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it, it, it is kind of like you say, there, there's it, 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 the, it, vocals are something that can just sit and can work and they can they can be, if you like, musically wrong, but still work. Yes. And that's yeah. that's what I'm getting at. Christ, I made a difficult big mess of that. Uh, I completely understand what you're saying, though. And I, 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 yeah, I know. From being, yeah. and, well, especially as well, it might be, it must be weird for you as well, being having those, those, those kind of two elements within the same person, as it were. Because you're like, you've got your singer head, and then yeah, you've got I, your guitarist I, head. Yeah, I, I live as the guitar player for a while, and I live as the singer for a while. Yeah. And on on the last song on this album, "New Blood Keeps Us Alive," you know, I was. I kind of waited before I did those vocals because I wanted to be in a, I had to psych myself out and be in a certain frame of mind. And yeah, I wanted to do that as like one of the last things that I did. I think that was the last thing we did. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's, it's quite, you're quite melancholy, um, yeah, but, I, I, but also reflective be, as well. Yeah. I wanted that beginning part to be like, if you were listening to a real deal, like acoustic guy, right. You know, like yeah. uh, Nick Drake, Elliot Smith, uh, I'm a huge fan of Ray LaMontagne. Um, some of the acoustic Bon Iver stuff. You know, I love that stuff too, equally. To me, that is just as equally powerful and emotional as something really heavy. It's just... Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
one you listen to in the morning, one you listen to later in the day, or whatever. Oh, look, you're you're, uh, to, you're talking to somebody who went to see Suzanne. Where you're coming from? Yeah, and I, I like listening to different kinds of music and different things because it it also when I go back to the main thing I'm listening to, uh, it, it, it it's almost it almost makes it heavier, you know. Yeah, uh, it almost means a little bit more. I've even made myself get into some country music, which I I always hated that because I grew up in East Texas. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, st- I'm still I'm still there, so I'm still at that place. So well done for forcing yourself into liking some. And you know, it, a lot of this comes from like a stu- One of my students will want to learn a song. Like there was this, and there was a student who wanted to learn this song called "Beachin." <laughs> this guy Jake Owen. <laughs> and I'm just, and it's just a goofy song. But and it was a huge, it was a big country hit too. It was one of the biggest songs of the summer a couple of years ago. Right. And it was like, you know, it wasn't anything that needed to take a lot of thought. It was just like, okay, you're you're on the beach at a at a outside bar and you're having a couple of beers and that song is on. Like that's yeah, that's it. That's why they wrote that song. Yeah. And uh, and then you you have to figure these songs out and you play them all the time and then they get stuck in your head. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I, had, I had this other student and then she like would she hated that stuff. So I mean, she brought me. She had such a cool taste in music. Like I I didn't know any of the bands she brought. Right. And she brought the and she had all these cool bands and she was very artistic, very artistic, very cool. And, uh, and it's amazing, like with students, like I have no idea where these people are now. I may never see them or meet them again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so they have a lot of a, a big influence on, you know, what what you hear and like if you have to learn stuff. Like uh, Pierce the Veil is a band. Like I've seen their name and I've heard of them, but you know, I had a student wanted to learn one of their songs. I was like, that's pretty cool. I like this, you know. And I would, <laughs> I would listen to it even if I wasn't. Um, had to have it for a lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that, that's great to have that kind of, and I guess that that keeps you keeps you um, uh, keeps you up to keeps your um, you know your 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 social references and your musical right. references up to date. Working for the weekend from Journey. I mean, not Journey. I'm sorry. Uh, from Loverboy. That is a genius song. <laughs> genius. And I've always you, you kind of laugh at it. Yeah. Now you know, like oh, that's eighty. You know, getting the Trans Am, put your headband on kind of song but then what those chords do and the song structure i, I now i see the song completely differently and i'm like right. man that's oh i want to do that same thing in a song right okay next what, time you're listening to that sit and like analyze what that song does and ha- what the songwriting structure of it is really cool but i would have never thought that otherwise well, I guess, and and that is that's the genius of stuff like that and ACDC, isn't it, and and things like that. Whereas it's taking stuff that is that is um, like you say, it's it, it's it, it's genius, but it's almost kind of in the disguise of being simple. Yes, exactly. Like uh, in like ACDC solo. Like I also play in different cover bands. I was playing in the LA Kiss house band. We're off season right now, but. You know, it's uh, Kiss's football team, and we're we're there at the touchdown line, and we do we play through timeouts, and uh, we at, you play at halftime, play all throughout the game, and do a bunch do covers and stuff like that, and yeah, we do a bunch, you know ACDC is a band that you if you're going to play cover songs or, or work in a band like that also, uh, you you should learn their songs. But I used to just like jam over the solos. 
But then I was like, you know, we do these songs all the time. I, I want to learn them. You know, if you're given 40 songs to learn, you don't always learn the solo just as it is. And you may just want to kind of jam over it. Yeah. But like the You Shook Me All Night Long solo, um, I've never just sat, sat and learned it. But then, but I could. But then I, one day I did. I was like, I want to learn this all the way through, and then I'll wind up using that as a song that I teach with. And it's so simple, but it, the but you can play that solo by itself, and and everybody knows what that is. It's like a song within itself. Yes. And your your fingers aren't going crazy. You know, you're not. There's not a lot of movement, and it's 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 just it's amazing. It's amazing how that and like Howie to Hell. You know, uh, Sin City and Bad Boy Boogie; those are all like just. It's. It seems like you're just playing like a couple of different notes, but it's just what he puts into those notes and how he turns everything around. That's. Uh, it's a craft all into itself. Well, it's funny. It's funny you should. Um, you you should move on to sort of soloing there because that's that is for me that is like that's what's intrinsically metal. Um, that's what I. That's what I love about your your new record as well, which is great, by the way. Um, Thank you. You know, congrats. Um, Thanks. Loving how it sounds. Um, Thanks. I, I had no idea what people were going to think. I still have no idea. I have. I, I have no idea what's going to happen when it comes out tomorrow. Well, like it, I, I may not hear from one person, <laughs> or my <laughs> phone may go nuts. Like when the pre order came out, and I, I had I went to Yosemite up in the mountains here in California for a little family vacation. And it just so happened that that's when the pre-order was going to come out. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll sit by the fire and do that. I get up there. There's no service. I'm like, (laughs) Oh my God. I had to go drive and find a hotel. Everybody was mad at me. They're like, where are you? I was like, I had to go find service and, you know, to, to go post, you know, cause the album is out. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, well, we wanted to go on a, bike ride and then to go to you know hike a trail and all that like why'd you do this now so and and then i, I and i posted and we posted the first single and i didn't like i felt like i didn't hear from anyone and i was like oh no like no one likes this and then be very afraid came out as the second single and um my phone it was like my it was like it was my birthday like my phone was just constantly going nuts and people going oh my god i love this this song and I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's another one, too. Make sure you listen to that, too. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, I heard it. So, I mean, sometimes you never know who's listening. Well, no, ab- I, I, absolutely. I don't know what's going to happen. But that's, but that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of what we do. I mean, it's, you know, it, it is, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know. I mean, look, right at the beginning of this interview when you were like, you know, oh, how's Acid Rain? And, like, you'd heard of us. Like, that, you know, that blew me away. I'm totally surprised that you knew who we were. Um, yeah, and and you, but you never know who's listening, you know, and that's that's exactly it. But I, well, yeah, great, love it, really cool album. Um, Thanks. It's it, and for anybody, kind of, you know, a, it's like it just doesn't sound. It does, you know, it doesn't sound like a three piece. That's for fucking sure. Um, <laughs> cool. Y- y- you know, and, that, it, and that's too. I did, this is the first time I didn't layer guitars. There's one go- one guitar on the right, one guitar on the left. And wow, one solo. Is like, that it? It's not the guitars aren't layered. Maybe that's why it sounds bigger. Wow. Well, I, I mean, it sounds fucking great. It really does. And um, uh, and uh, I mean, what um, uh, what your man is doing on the drums there after the solo section, um, it is just fucking mental. Um, <laughs> on which song? Um, on the new single. Oh, and be very afraid. Yeah, and be very afraid. 
there's like after yeah, the solos, it's I mean no no I think there is going to be drummers all over the world trying to copy that and just falling off their fucking stools. Oh, that that's one of the things that I wrote that he did as I made the demo. That's <laughs> oh, I thought brilliant. he was going to go like, what the hell is that drum beat? Is that oh, is that <laughs> did that track get moved? I was like, no no, no that's exactly what I want because it says counter rhythm. Oh, I, I I love it. I absolutely love it. It's it's just completely nuts. But there's there's funnily enough as well. There was um uh there's there's a couple of times where there's there's a there's a few few riffs which have got a lovely kind of prong, prong groove to them as well. That's something I just I, I won't ever be able to get away from. And, and that happened before yeah. prong because prong was my favorite band. Oh well. Wow. Oh man! So wow, you know, it's, <laughs> your story gets even more interesting. Oh, it's yeah. That was one of my favorite bands, and then I helped Prong start again. And yeah, when you I helped Prong move to L.A. You helped Stone Prong start again, but also this Texan guy moves to L.A. and struggles to get a band together, and has bloody Tommy Victor on bass for fuck's sake. Well, when I quit playing in Prong, because it was just because of scheduling, because. I couldn't be in two places at the same time, and, and things were starting to overlap. And Prong needed to have somebody who was there. You don't want to keep having a new guy every time. Yeah. And uh, which I guess it doesn't matter, you know. But you know, to, you know, people want to see the guy that's on the shirt. <laughs> yeah. And see the guy that's on the you know the the poster and the album cover and all that. And um, and then it was that's how I played bass on the Power of the Damager album. Right. With Prong and uh, Tommy said, he's like, man, I want to get back to playing bass because when he first started in Prong, he played bass and Mike Kirkland played guitar. Oh, right. But like, b- before, beg to differ. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that. And uh, and then he's and then they switched. Um, and Tommy's like, man, I want to do something. I just want to play bass again, and that's something I, I like to do that too. And and I was starting the band with Adam and. He said, uh, he's like, hey, well, let me play bass in your band, and I need somebody to play bass in prong. Why don't you come back and play bass in prong? Like, you, 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 I'll play bass in your band, you play bass in my band. I was like, that's perfect. Let's do it. That's awesome. That's great. And, then, that's and then I learned a lot about guitar playing from me just being the bass player in a band. So that was a huge uh, turning point in my guitar playing from that, which you would think, like, oh, why are you playing bass? You, you should be playing guitar. I was like, well, because I want to, you know, you know, it's fun playing bass too. It's easy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, it's cool. It's like it's like playing football. When people always say, "Oh, football or soccer," I mean, you can apply this to any sport. But they say that you know, that there's a, there's this football club in in Holland called Ajax. Um, oh, I'm on hold. Um, calls on hold. Are you there? Are you there? Uh, yes, I, I think you accidentally. Sorry, put me. About no, that. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, if another call comes through, then it like I guess it pauses us. I'm sorry uh, about that. No, 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 no worries. Up your podcast. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, so yeah, there's this team in Ajax in Holland, right? And they're a football team, soccer team, right? And and when you start out there as a child, um, you come through the ranks. You have to play every position in the team, and then not until you're 15 or 16. Do they do, do they decide what's the best position for you and you know and and obviously you know you as a person get to decide with them as well, but the the point being that if you've played in every position, then you know how that person wants to receive the ball, and it's uh, oh yeah, 
and 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 that's and that's what I'm getting at. That whole music. If you you know when you've played the positions, and you've done bass, you've played you know you you've done vocals, you played guitar. I'm I'm obviously drums is not going to be beyond your um, beyond your repertoire. Yeah, uh, I played drums in in school. Well, they, like when I was in school, I was when I was in like junior high and the early years of high school. Kind of before I started playing guitar and getting and starting a band, I was the like the first chair drummer of all the competitions in the area. Well, and and well, there you go. And I, and I think it's just it just it informs your your work on another instrument, doesn't it? You know. Oh yes. Because you because you're you you know, and it also informs, for instance, what you want you know in your band, what you want somebody else to do, and 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 how it all fits together. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. From that, from starting that way, I learned a lot about rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and something else that uh, that I really picked up on the album, I think I think some of your your solo work, as in your soloing, is some of the is is some of the best I've heard. Um, it, and and funnily enough, I was, again I was talking to our guitarist about solos the other day, and uh, one of our guitarists, and he and we were both saying that it's like, you know, metal is is for me metal is defined by, you know, solos. It's like heavy guitars, but you've got to have solos in there, and. But the, the, you know, soloing is such a difficult art. You know, it, it's because it, it, it's got to be something that sounds organic. And for me, a solo should kind of grow out of the song. You know, it kind of grows out of the uh, of the main riffs. It sits above there for a bit, and then it and then it kind of ducks down again and joins the rest of the song. You know, there's a there's a theme in a solo. It's got to say something, and and you know, something can be leveled a, a, a lot. Uh, guitarist in metal is that it is just kind of you know it, it's just there for the sake of it um and your soloing on this album is is just superb i really wanted i'm, I'm glad i remembered because i really wanted to tell you that um wow thank I, you no not thank at you. all loved it you know there's a difference of just jamming over things and sometimes you you leave yourself to do that but then you also want to make sure that you're playing the right things over the right chords or the right notes or the in the right moments and and with the right you know emotion that's the key that's the what i'm getting at there that's it's the emotion it's the you know if the songs i always remember my old manager saying to me look if a song's called nuclear war and it's about nuclear war everybody playing every instrument has got to be playing it like there's nuclear war you know and it's got to sound like it you know and it's true yeah and, it, and like yeah. you say yeah it, it's that it's that you know, that's how that's how solos that's how a guitarist emotes isn't it that's how you that's how you emote that's how you that's how you speak to people listening that, to that song you 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 just hit the nail on the head people say like you know you know you're too quiet you don't talk uh you know it's been a complaint with relationships as you know you don't uh you don't communicate you know and you don't talk and i'm like oh well you know what i think it's because the way i talk is through my music it's yeah. through my guitar playing. Yeah. And so it's, you know, okay, I'll work on that, but that's also how I do what I do when I play. So yeah. it's a double-edged sword. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't it just, well, yeah, but that's the, that's the artistic lifestyle though, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a big fat fucking double-edged sword. I see. And I thought, okay, everybody can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I'm that's why I'm extremely busy. Forty five, not married, no kids. You know, 
it, it, it's yeah. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but it is. It's it, you know there there is that. Uh, that's how you communicate, you know, and that's and I I love to communicate with audiences, you know. Um, yeah. And and you know the the stand up thing. That's you know that that's full on communicating. You know, you're up there on your own, no band. You have to reveal yourself if you're going to be able to communicate with people. You know, and some of the funniest stuff comes from the the the, the deeper deepest innermost workings. And funnily enough, to 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 kind of empathise with what you're saying, you know, I I I've had girlfriends at gigs come off stage and they've come up to me and said. You've never, you've never like told me that stuff before, or you've never said any. Not that I've done like a gag about her or anything, but I've just kind of revealed, like, you know, innermost thoughts, feelings, demons, whatever. Um, and then I get like get chewed out for saying, "Well, you've never told me that before." You'll stand there and tell you know hundreds of people, but you've never told me. And it's like, well, that's just how I'm wired. I'm afraid. Yeah. You know, that's just that's, how you do what you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you can't take that away. And I guess it's just. It's it's finding a happy medium, or um, you know, or or not bothering, or whatever. I don't know. It's like the old, it's like that old great Bill Hicks line. You know, it's going to take a special woman or a bunch of average ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent choice of quote. <laughs> Thank you very much. Big big influence in the early days. Good, good oh old yes. Bill. Did you ever see him live? No, no, no. Unfortunately, um, yeah. he he. I got into stand up in uh, in ninety two, and um, I, I think he died in ninety one or early ninety two. And I was, um, uh, I hadn't even discovered him at that point. So yeah, it was um, a real, real, real loss. As was Robin Williams as well, who was another big influence on me. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, the biggest single influence ever was a piece of his stand-up that he did in the UK that was on TV one night, and it got loads of complaints, and it was just fucking amazing. And I just thought, wow, that is incredible. Um, you know, you have those, you know, you have those moments, those kind of lights, those light bulb moments where you just go, oh, hang on, you know. And it was one of those. Um, it really was. It's just amazing, amazing. Yeah. So what's um so what's the plan? You've got I know you've got the you've got the album coming out tomorrow. You've got tons of press to do, um, and you're saying earlier you've got to get yourself a booking agent. Have you got? Are you going to have to get yourself a band as well? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I have a few different people that I play with. So first, you know, whenever we have shows booked, then I'll start saying, "Hey, I got these shows. You're around. You want you feel, you you know you up for doing some gigs and." If they say, no, I'm already busy, I'm already doing something, I'll go to the next person. <laughs> or if they go, oh, hell yeah, man, I can't wait to play this stuff live, then, then we're on. Are you, are you going to do, li- do live as a three-piece? Uh, well, I'll add, a, I'll add a rhythm guitarist for good. this. Good, good. Yeah, it's got to be done, yeah. hasn't it? It's me- I'll, I'll be like it's in metal. the middle of the stage. And I wanted the Power of Three album in that era to be a three-piece but uh, that puts me on one side of the stage, and I want to be in the middle of the stage, yeah. And have a have a rhythm guitar player helping me out, you know, for stuff. Well, it's it's like it's, doubling it, up on get some guitar stuff, and then having some guitars there when I'm soloing. Yeah. Well, it, maybe it, yeah. have a have some things where they play, and then I'm just singing. But I it, think it looks better. Well, no, it's it, it it looks better, but also it, it it's metal. You've got to have two guitars ultimately. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, also, and I've got some killer tricks up my sleeve for who 
that person or those persons are going to be. Oh, you tease. You yeah. tease. Get a, a, any chance of an exclusive? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, first got to have the shows. but Yeah, okay. Yeah, that 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 makes sense, but um, also I think to do to do this new album justice is without a doubt you need two guitars because yeah. it, first it, I got to get the album out. <laughs> yeah, true. And then um, and you know, get the album out, and then hopefully it's well received. Hopefully people like it. Um, and uh, you know that's the first step. Well, I'm 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 going to be already got you on here. Um, uh, I mean, I love love the power of three, and told everyone else, told everyone to go out and get the CD. Um, back when that came out, and um, uh, I, I, you know, I I wasn't aware you were even working on a new album, and um, and then um, uh, I got a message from I got an email from Metal Blade with you know the singles and then the album, and um, uh, like the singles, which is just just focused on the album obviously got the album um quite early and and i was just like whoa whoa totally didn't expect this totally that's kind of what i wanted to do um yeah you know this is the tomorrow was the date that i asked for and they granted it to me you know they let me have that date but there's some um there were some delays of course of course, As always. Of course, and I was like, "Oh no!" Now the album's not going to be able to come out until next year. You know, I mean, I wanted the album to even come out earlier, right? And um, but I felt like tomorrow was the perfect day, and it's the first day of uh, Libra, the balancing of the scales. Ah, right. Okay. Which which is interesting, you know, because inverted grasp of balance. Ah, uh, yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's crazy!" When I saw that as the on next to the release date. Where that's that's quite interesting as well. Where did the where did the title come from? Cuz I'm a I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a wordsmith myself and I saw that and it, I thought, "Oh, I like that." It came from um it's in the song Panic Attack. And I was having panic attacks. And then that's why I said, "Okay, I'm just going to write about it." Right, okay. And like I thought I was dying and I you know, I'd be sitting there going, like, "Okay, I'm going to die right now." And then you're like, "Okay, I'm still here." I didn't die. And then I'm like, why am I having these panic attacks? I even went to the hospital, went to the emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And then I went through all these uh, these scary you know, tests and all that they put you through. And then they came in. They said, well, uh, you've got the heart of an Olympic athlete. I was like, then what's happening? And they're like, what are you you know, taking? What are you doing? And I, and I, was, I was like, well, you know, I, I get up in the morning. And I take my vitamins, and I go to the gym, whatever, and I do this. this which vitamins are you taking? I'm like, well, I take this, and I take this, and I take this, and I take this, and I take this. And they're like, ah, you're taking too many vitamins at once. <laughs> and that's making you have these panic attacks. I was wow. like, ah, that's it? And so that's what it was. You were, you were, ba- you were, being, you were being over-healthy. Yeah, I was. And... Um, and like I would take the, I would, and I'd get on the road, I'd get on the freeway, and it's like I couldn't feel my hands, and I couldn't control the steering wheel, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna die. Oh shit. And that's, and then I came up with a panic attack that way. But then the the, the line invert, an inverted grasp of balance. It's like you're out of control. You can't, you don't have any balance. Basically, you know, inverted anything is, of course, 
yeah. uh, you know, flipped around. It also comes from doing chord inversions, which is, you know, it's the same notes of a chord, but you're, they're in a different order. Yeah. Um, you know, grasp is grasping something. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about that, trying to grasp a steering wheel. Or trying to, gra and, or trying uh, to grasp yeah, a breath. To, I remember trying to write a song about that, about a car. I was like, I don't have any car songs. And like ZZ Top, I think, has some car songs. Van Halen's got a A lot of people have good car songs. I don't have any songs about a car. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, so yeah, inverted grasp of balance. And that just stuck in my head. And I remember being with Vince at Metal Blade, from Metal Blade at, at a hockey game. And it just like that kept going over and over in my head. Inverted grasp of balance, inverted grasp of balance. I felt like a crazy person. <laughs> like just, it just wouldn't stop in my head. And I, yeah. and I wrote that down an inverted grasp of balance. And then later on, I came back, I was like, wow, I think I'm going to call the album inverted grasp of balance. And then people are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, no, I like, I, I, I like that. No, no, I really like it. I really like it. But I still think that, um, that tune that we talked about earlier about, uh, mowing the lawn. I think, you know, that's, that's gotta be done without a doubt. Cutting each blade Cutting. down to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we do, we do, a metal, do a metal gardening song. Um, well, look, uh, Monty, it's been, it's been awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the, uh, on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, no, thank you, sir. This is going to turn no, into you're a, very welcome. It's going to turn you're into a love in now. Thanks for, for supporting the album and letting everybody know about it. Oh no, no problem, no problem, man. I'm going to get this out next week. Um, I will find you on social media. Um, I presume you're on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, it's just at Monty Pittman, just my name, cool. and uh, so that's the best way to reach me. There's, I got a website, MontyPittman.com. Yes, you have any 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 way through that. I mean, there's videos, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, cool. And, and, uh, and I teach guitar lessons online. And so if, uh, anyone, any of your listeners are looking for a guitar teacher or, you know, want to brush up on something, um, you, you could, know, I can teach you wherever you are on the planet and wherever I am on the planet. You, you could just email you, me at lessons at montypitman.com. And that's also on the website too, in case you forget. You, you can actually learn guitar. You can have guitar lessons from the man who plays with Madonna, Ministry, Prong, and his own band. So uh, that's, that's, you know, that's quite an offer, frankly. I think that's, um, that's as good an offer as anybody who listens to this podcast is going to get today. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's several different options. And uh, one of the things I even tell people is, or could suggest is, uh, you know, you just pay me one fee. You know, I, I just charge for my 30 minutes or hour. And then you can have people, with, you can have three of your friends or five, you know, five people. You can, you can make your own class. All right, cool. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's, you know, if someone says, oh, I don't really have the money for lessons. And then you go to your friend and say, hey, what if us, all three of us chipped in? Yeah. And then, and then we, then they're playing with, together. And so that's a great thing. Absolutely. And just use, just use the voucher code talking bollocks and get an extra 95% off. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've got several different options. And another thing is I tell people, like, even if you don't want lessons, I'll, I'll, I give people uh, 25 bucks, you know, us dollars through PayPal for every student they refer to me. Oh, that's awesome. Man. So like, let, cool. let's say you got a friend who says, Hey, you know, I want to get lessons from my son for Christmas, which, you know, they make great gifts. Yeah. 
You know, it's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to get lessons from my son for Christmas. Like, hey, you know, you got to you got to go to Monty. And so they contact me, and then I say, well, how did you hear of me? Well, heard from me from Howard from Acid Rain. Like, hey, hey, Howard, what's your PayPal? Here's twenty five bucks nice. for a student. Nice. Yeah. Well, in that case, I'm going to get for a start. I'm going to get all my band fucking in. <laughs> on- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. You get all. Yeah, work on the stuff together. That's it. Absolutely. It's like we'll be in the I've studio. Done that before. We'll be in the it's, studio. We're doing the new really album. Cool. We'll cool. be doing in the studio doing the new album. We're going. Hey, that those solos sound suspiciously like Monty. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's just an no, idea of teaching. There's, you know, you can yeah. turn it around and make it your own thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look. Thank you very much, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna head off do my show, and you're okay. Gonna, have you, a great show tonight, man. Thank, thank you me, very let much. Let me know when this comes out. Make sure you tag me in it. Oh, so, I will. Don't you worry. You'll know. Okay. Thanks so much, dude. Cool, man. Have a good day. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. So uh, there you go. That was uh, my interview with Monty. Um, As uh, Apologies at the beginning. That is the vagaries of Skype, as you heard us talking about. I did actually edit, uh, chopped out quite a section um, where it was just cutting out a lot. So uh, at the beginning there. So we, but we managed to get it all sorted in the end. Um, And, um, uh, yeah, really cool. Um, and he said, like, finally at the beginning as well, because we were meant to speak the previous night, but um, for whatever reason, he was a no-show, and it done, I couldn't hang around because I had a gig. So, anyway, um, it was yeah, it was really cool to talk to him. Um, as you heard, we discussed quite a lot. That was blown away by the fact that he knew about Acid Rain. That's uh, kind of bizarre, really. Madonna's guitarist um, and all that. But um, what a cool guy. What a cool guy. And, um, you know, Tommy had nothing but good things to say about him as well. And... Um, uh, it, yeah, it, it's a, a really good album, as uh, as you'll have noticed by um, uh, Pride Comes Before a Fall, and as you're as you're gonna hear with Be Very Afraid. Um, very cool. Not going to ramble on about that too much because that it, 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 there's nothing to say. It was just a really really good um, uh, uh, chat. And please do go out and and check out Inverted Grasp of Balance, man, because these you've got the two singles, okay? That you've got enough to go on here. Um, I think it's I think it's stunning. I really do. It is just, it really, really is. You know, a guy functioning at a very, very high level. Um, so uh, so check it out. Um, uh, no, no particularly new music is really um, that uh, is really grabbed me apart from um, apart from that. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm still playing um, Billy Talent, Afraid of Heights. Um, I'm still playing Vector, um, which is just you know um, just phenomenal. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just you know still playing Gajira Magma, which is just totally doing it for me. Um, so yeah, uh, just uh, there's nothing has really come out that's sort of taken my real fancy to sort of pass on to you, other than uh, 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 Monty um, Monty Pittman's new Corkin album, Inverted Grasp of Balance. So anyway, as always, people, it's great to have you along for the ride. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for just being there, and thank you most importantly for just being you. Um, I can't stress enough that I do need you guys to share this, and I need you to try and help. Ex- expand the listenership um because it 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 needs to continue to expand otherwise you know we stagnate and struggle to get people to uh, to come on 
because people need to know that there is an audience out there. So please do, um, you know, share share the episodes, retweet, tell your mates. As I've said before, you know, if people who've got podcast apps on their phones, on their on their iPads, on their laptops, on their tablets. Make sure that they subscribe. If they don't want to, wait till they leave the room. Subscribe them anyway. Fuck them. You know, you're doing them a favour. Think of it like that. And if and if you can't think of it like that, think of it as doing me a favour. And I thank you very much for doing that. Um, as always, look, like I said, it's it's a pleasure. Still doing it. We're still here, guys. We are still fucking here. It was two years ago, that chat with Tommy Victor. Unbelievable. Two years ago, hey? Who would have thought it? Anyway... Um, all that remains now is for me to say thank you very much for listening. I've already said that, so there's not a lot left for me to say at all, really, is there? Um, look, it's cool. See you around next month. There is coming up an incredible special podcast. Now, I am going to tell you about it because it is taking place in a couple of days. And what it is, is me, Godless from the Metal Sucks podcast... Um, DX Ferris, friend of the show and Slayer expert and writer of two books on Slayer and Joel McIver Slayer biographist if that's even a word um, who's also been on the show before it's all four of us having a round table so we're doing this on Skype so it's going to be all four of us live talking about the impact and the continued legacy of Slayer's Reign in Blood, which will be 30 on October the 7th, 2016. Um, so that will be coming out as a special in October. I'm actually going to try and get it out on October the 7th, which would be incredibly cool. So, um, yeah, uh, keep your ears out for that. That's a nice little bit of nice little little treasure for you there right at the end of the podcast, isn't it? So it's a good job you kept on listening. Um, and finally... Here is the um, here is the song at the end of the podcast. I've already teased you with it once, and this is from the album Inverted Grasp of, uh, Grasp of Balance, which is out now by Monty Pittman, and this is called "Be Very Afraid." 